Welcome to the Best Picture Cast. I'm your host, Kieran B. I recently completed my goal of watching every Oscar Best Picture winner ever and decided to start a podcast to review each one. Each episode, myself and revolving co-hosts will discuss, assess, and evaluate a different Best Picture winner with the goal to establish a ranking for the entire list. This is not a who should have won podcast. We're here to discuss the inner circle of movies that took home the crown in their respective year. As a disclaimer, this is an opinion-based podcast. It's a subjective discussion by movie enthusiasts who don't claim to be trained experts. If we destroy your favorite movie or praise a movie that you think is trash, we want to hear from you. Write us in at our email, which is bestpicturepodcast at yahoo.com. Also, you can hit us up on our social media accounts, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. It's all at Best Picture Cast. So that's at Best Picture Cast, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. And we're back yet again, BPC episode 17. We're amidst season two now. We've locked our first 15 in, and I have a new combination of characters here today. These uh, two gentlemen have not been on a podcast with each other yet. But they're here today to discuss Mutiny on the Bounty, and they're going to introduce themselves now. Hey, everyone. Joey R. from a bunch of others. <laughs> a frequent voice, if you've listened before. And over to my right. Hey, how's it going? Brendan B. here. I uh, did uh, Shakespeare in Love, Rocky, and then uh, recently the name of the movie that I always mess Man up. for all seasons. Man for all seasons. <laughs> they got it. There we go. <laughs> Yes, and that Jaws episode as well. And so the last time we saw you, Brendan, we were at sea with Jaws, and we're back at sea again with Mutiny on the Bounty. We're back at sea, and if you think there's going to be no parallels drawn, then I don't know. <laughs> Just hold on to your hats. <laughs> we always seem to get you at the nautical movies, it seems. But yeah, so Mutiny on the Bounty, this is one of the oldest movies we've covered. We did the Broadway Melody, which is the second winner. But uh, 1935, Mutiny on a Bounty, not to be confused with the 60s and the 80s versions which we will discuss a little bit here today, too. But our main focus is going to be that 1935 Best Picture winner, Mutiny on the Bounty. Guys, I'm happy to have you back here. Yeah, happy to be here. It's, uh, so, Brennan, you were on that that Jaws episode with Man for All Seasons last time we saw you. Joey, last time we heard from you was the rankings episode. Yeah, the rankings episode for the first 15. So happy to yep. be here for season two. Get the next 15. And you feel good about uh, your list that's out there? Oh, yeah. Very proud of my list. Uh, okay. Brandon hasn't assembled a list yet for us. So that will be pending. Well, I haven't revealed my list yet. He hasn't revealed oh. it. Right. Yes. So. Really waiting for season three for the first season one reveal. <laughs> that's right. It, uh, so somewhat later in this week, we just had our Argo episode drop uh, yesterday. And we're going to be putting out our composite list of rankings from everyone who contributed. We're still waiting for maybe a couple more to do that. But... That should be how Joey assembled the algorithm to get that together, so we thank you for that. Yeah, uh, I love the composite list. Yeah, I feel it, it like it's really a group accomplishment, and it wasn't exactly what I thought. I think we were both, we're the only ones who've seen it, but I think we've both been surprised. Yeah, for sure, and and I looked at it, and to me, is a great assembly of all of our opinions from that episode, that rankings episode. Yeah. If you haven't listened to that episode, I highly recommend you to check it out. It's our first 15 rankings episode. It's a great summary of everything we've discussed so far. And it gives you a good glimpse into, you know, our personalities a little bit and some of our opinions. And it's it's a nice, easy listen. We I know some, some of deep these, dives. Yes, some of these are are, are lengthy in volume, but uh, that's a nice a nice one to kind of give you a little preview if you haven't really listened to much yeah, before. That was a nice, fun episode where we just 
went at it, got to brief all the movies and just enjoy what we're doing. For sure. And give me a little grief while I'm not in the room. So. Yeah, Brendan took a beating. And did you have you listened to it yet, Brendan? I have listened to it. Okay, so you're aware of your beating. So you can we, you, what, you're, we, you're 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 free to make shots at anyone who's not yeah, in the room today okay, too. You right. know, or or especially the people who are in the room. Yeah, more than I, I think to. someone did point out it's the the worst place to be is not in the room. I think that yeah. was said during that cast. I mean, Artie basically dealt with that for the first ten episodes. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think he was on the first episode one, and then like episode seven, and in between it was it just, just got crushed. Yeah, co-host after co-host bashing him and his I, wild opinions. We've had a lot of you know constant themes run out, like different threads we've got, and I think the biggest one of the first fifteen was the Artie bashing. Yes, yeah. In those first fifteen episodes too, we did our sub fifty BPC cup, which is a great time and just really. Really fun, really great engagement. A lot of fun, great interactions on Twitter. We all put three movies toward the pool, uh, movies that were sub-50% on the Rotten Tomatoes critic, and put them in a little World Cup-style tournament, and it was Roadhouse that ended up winning the whole. It was none of the three of our choices. None of the three of our choices made the finals. I didn't even make it past the first round. (laughs) (laughs) And I got to tell you, I'm I'm very disappointed in the um, cult classic culture of uh, the Newsies that didn't didn't show up. <laughs> I'll tell you what, though. Out of all of the losses, that's the one that had the most people chirping. Newsies, yeah. There were people upset. Yeah, they did not responded. vote. It seemed like there's more people upset that Newsies lost than voted for Newsies, though. Yeah, it's true. It's These true. Newsies only got a handful of votes, but yeah, man, they, people were pissed. Yeah, they wanted that moving on at least to the second round. Yeah, just, it's one of those movies that you don't like, you love. And if you don't love it, you don't like it. Right. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> or you don't know, vote for it because and it was also right. in a, you know the pool. I think just the pool took it over. Yeah, yeah. And Brendan, you will have a little bit of redemption because we have our next little tournament coming up, and this is our horror fest. So we will have, if you've been listening to us up until this point, throughout the last several episodes, a few of the co-hosts and myself have been giving three horror movies that they appreciate, one that they consider a classic one that they consider underrated or deserving of a second look, and then one that they think in an alternate universe possibly could have been nominated for Best Picture at the Oscars. Brennan's going to give his three a little later on in this episode, and we're going to do a little tournament that will culminate the week of Halloween and a Halloween bonus episode. The winner will be on to do a full episode on their movie, and that episode will air on Halloween 2020. It's going to be a great, whoever you know. There's a lot of really good movies. I, I think our select without even having the full selection. So far, our selections are really good and different. So I'm excited for Brendan's picks, and then whatever movie wins, it's going to be a really fun episode. Yes, and a for really sure. fun episode to do. Like we're going to get to go deep into something that we wouldn't get to hit normally. Absolutely. So now let's talk about the movie at task today, and that's Mutiny on the Bounty, 1935. This movie, gentlemen, this is your first time viewing here with this one. Fact, yes. Good. Brennan, first time viewing this. Yeah. yeah. Had you guys heard of this movie before? Did you know anything about it going in? What was your, your past knowledge of the history behind this or the movie or anything? I remember the book from Kit when we were kids. You know, summer reading. I wish I remembered it a little bit better. And other than that, I knew it was a Clark Gable movie that was remade a bunch of times. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then I remembered more. Um, I didn't see the 1984 one until watching for this, but I remember that more kind of prescient. Yeah, yeah, Brennan. So I knew nothing about this movie. Okay, it was, it was fresh view. I'm, I might have heard the name somewhere and going. Once I was told what it's about, I was really into a novella uh, in college. I was really into a novella by Herman Melville mm-hmm. called uh, Benito Serrano, which 
is a little bit, I mean, it's it's a different story, but it's, it has a little bit of a similar, it's it's a captain showing up to a ship after the mutiny has always already happened. Oh, Like a different captain. Cool. Okay. The next um, guy. Right. So I, I had that in my mind going into it, but it's a very different story. Though. Okay, yeah. interesting. That's yeah, so cool, this though. one, this one, I, we and again, like a lot of these, we don't really discuss these at all before. So as we're Nothing. all coming in, we don't know where each other stands on this. I'll break the ice with a little bit. So this was when I was going through the list of Best Picture winners. This is a movie that kind of got my hopes up about some of the older movies. In, in knowing that I had to tackle decades of movies that I really were not even familiar with that decade in cinema. So I had to just kind of go in blind with a lot of them. And this is one of the early ones I watched and it really engaged me to that era because it was nice to see a movie in 1935 that could be still very watchable today and a movie that that could, could draw me in. And the, it did draw me in a lot and it's a movie I'm pretty passionate about, I, I care a lot about and I have a lot to say about. I'm interested to hear what you guys, you guys have to say. I do want to ask you this. Brennan, do you think that this is the oldest movie that you've seen or one of the oldest movies that you've seen? 1935. You've seen... Okay. I think the oldest movie I've seen is Metropolis. Okay. No, I've seen, I've seen yeah. some of the silent old stuff. This is probably the oldest film that I've really enjoyed. Okay, cool. But I thought it was way bigger than I thought was possible in 1935. I assumed the, all the... Uh, the ship would be in some terrible soundstage with buckets of water being thrown <laughs> off the side. And I was very anxious about that and just that really taking me out. And the fact that they actually did it big and lived on an island for four months, four weeks. I was like, oh, this is huge. This is what it needs to be. Yeah, production quality was actually super strong for this one. I mean, yeah. again, I, I watched it. I watched it last night and I put my phone away and I sat and watched it and I just loved it. I loved every second of it. You know, I have my criticisms of it here or there. I don't think it's the best movie ever made by any means. No. But it, it reminded me of the first time I saw it, and it got me excited as I was watching it. And then today I watched uh, the 1984, oh, The Bounty, which right. I have never seen until right. today. Yeah, I saw that too, too. I did. When I watched Muni and the Bounty back when I first saw the 1935 version, I watched the Marlon Brando version immediately, I think the next day or immediately after. So okay. that was, and that was enough mutiny the bounty for oh, quite a while. So I almost <laughs> couldn't do Five and a half before. hours in two days, Well, Yeah, so. Let me ask a question before sure. we kind of get into things. What do you guys think of the movie On the Boat versus On Tahiti? Oh, I have a lot of opinions on that. Okay. Because okay, I, that so... was one of my biggest kind of coming out of the back end. I was That was where I was really kind of. Yeah, so a that's, little bit torn. It felt like two very separate things. Yeah, the movie is pretty cleanly broken up in three acts. Very you know, clean. Yeah, it's, it's unbelievable. It's, act one is the yeah. is the build up to the voyage. The, the voyage. Like act two. Yeah. Tahiti. <laughs> Charles Lawton heel promo after heel promo, exactly. and and right into Tahiti. Then right. Tahiti into. The mutiny. Up until the mu- mutiny right. is the second act, and then the third act is really the, the fallout after the and, mutiny. Yeah. So. Yeah, I just really was torn on it. The Tahiti stuff, and we'll talk about it more in depth as we go, right. unless you get your takes and everything there. I will say it is my least favorite part of the movie. Okay. Yeah, to me, it, it's where I like I like when they're on the ship. I like I when they're on the ship. Love and the ship yeah. stuff so much. I if that movie was three hours on the ship, I don't think I would have gotten bored. Another ten minutes of Tahiti, really, I was struggling with. <laughs> yeah. Well, don't watch the don't watch well, the Marlon Brando that's, version. <laughs> that's one of the reasons I did it. But so but, that was really my takeaway. So as I know, we get into everything deeper, but just to kind of start to see where everybody was at. That's why I wanted to ask. Yeah, it, and so we are going to talk a little bit about 
the remakes too, because they all kind of come in with the package. So the, the 60s remake with Marlon Brando, I'm the only one here who's seen, so we're just going to kind of broad brush that one a little bit. But myself and Joey both watched The Bounty, which is the 1984 version for today, and uh, Brendan's going to engage with us a little bit on that too. And Are we ready to go here, boys? Are we ready to, to, ready. to head yeah. back to 1935 and figure this thing out? Yeah, let's do it. All right. So the year is 1935. The president is Franklin Delano Roosevelt, serving in his first term, and it would be the first term of quite a few. The World Series champions for the first time in their franchise history are the Detroit Tigers. The Detroit Tigers defeat the Chicago Cubs in six games. It's their first World Series in five tries. And what's notable is, is, is that they... In their first two tries, they lost back-to-back -back World Series against the Cubs in 1907-1908. And that's notable because those would be the last World Series, the championships that the Cubs win for over 100 years. But the Tigers are the ones that are the world champions in 1935. The number one song of the year, it's Cheek to Cheek by Fred Astaire. Of course. The Oscar Best Picture winner is Mutiny on the Bounty. It is based on a trilogy of novels by Charles Nardoff and James Norman Hall. And of course, on based on real life events that took place on the actual Mutiny on the Bounty back in the late 1700s. It was directed by Frank Lloyd, screenplay by three people, Talbot Jennings, Jules Ferdinand, and Carrie Wilson. Cinematography by Arthur Edison. The movie starring Charles Lawton, Clark Gable, Franchot Tone, Eddie Quellen, and Movita. It was nominated for eight Oscars, but it was only the winner of one. One of only three Best Picture winners who have won one award and one award only. That's the Best Picture award. It was also nominated for Best Actor, Clark Gable, Best Actor, Charles Lawton, Best Actor, Franchot Tone, Best Director, Frank Lloyd, Best Writing Screenplay, Best Film Editing, and Best Music Score by Herbert Stothart. So, eight nominees that year. It's obviously a big movie that year. It was the highest grossing movie of 1935. Also the reason we have the Best Actor nominee, uh, back, best, the best Actor category. The Best, best supporting, supporting Actor, actor yes. Yeah. yeah, it was the only movie to have three gentlemen nominated for Best Actor. Best Lead Actor. So they Pretty huge. Yeah, then they later came up and... And did the supporting actor award, and I think three guys who deserved it, in my opinion. Who who would be the supporting actor if the supporting actor was there? Who's there? How yeah, do, I would say it's probably three? still two leads, and it, then it's definitely two. And yeah, then French, and, then, and then Byam goes as the yeah, supporting think, actor. I right? think Byam's a supporting actor. He really is. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And back then they only had the lead right. acting award, right. so they wanted and they wanted to. Wanted to yeah, they thought he deserved it. And I thought I thought he was great. It was yeah. awesome. Oh, yeah. he's a really good character. I mean, I think we're going to go into our favorite character. I mean, he's he's my favorite character. Wow. Yeah. And yeah. I'll say this about about that Bayan character. I didn't have much recollection of him from my first viewing. My first viewing was all about Gable and Lawton. It was right. all right. about Bly and Christian and that battle and the and the the great heel versus face battle between the two of them. And and then yeah, the the Biome character kind of just didn't stick in my memory. That's interesting. And I oh, and I always remember the poor Sack who had his daughter and son back in the oh. he, st he stuck out like fucking Allison. That guy needs. They should have thrown him into the war. <laughs> <laughs>
When he I, did the jig in Tahiti, I was ready to throw something through the yeah, TV. You know, and that's the most frustrating thing. He's crying in one yes. scene. They're like, but come on, do a dance. And he just jumps <laughs> in and starts dancing and oh, smiling. But even, like, uh, God, they even take away his pet pig, too, you know? But even the way he handles it, he's like, oh, no, just laundry. It's not yeah. fucking laundry. Like, lie better. <laughs> oh, I hated him I, so I much. Do li- he's like, like Ralph level of hate. <laughs> <laughs> I do like how he tries to recover, though. Oh, no, my pig's name is Morning Laundry. <laughs> no, that one's not going to candle. So uh, we were getting here right at right. We're starting hot here with the characters. Byam's a good character. Who the first time we see Byam before the boat, I was like, "Who is this guy?" I thought he was going to annoy me, and then the second he was on the boat and him and Christian met, I was like, "Oh, I like this guy because you kind of yeah. get kind of get a better idea of him. He's not some annoying kind of naive idiot. He's just super optimistic and super excited." And he plays a following the rules while being with Christian. I think it's a really complex role. Yeah, that. complex, well balanced yes, too. Very it, balanced. It, 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 it's a position you can think about. Too, you, it's not black or white. It's he has to kind of, he has to play his chips in a certain way, and any way he plays him, he's not necessarily in the best spot. Think, think about the pressure that's laid on him right before they go. It's you know, it's, you're a seventh generation sailor. No one's ever failed at their job in your family before. Good luck, and now yeah. he's part of this. So when you talk about playing the chips, it's really he's playing what he wants to do, what he wants in his family, the reputation. There's a lot of pieces to it. Yeah. Well, and the other side of it too is that Byam is really the true British officer. I mean, he. Believes in the cause. He believes in in the Royal Navy, and you've got Fletcher Christensen, who is the optimist, who's now taken over by his his anger with the way that the or captain, his lust of Tahiti. Uh, well, that's later on. I, I let, I'm I'm talking leading up to Tahiti. To Tahiti's a turning point for him. Yeah. But leading up to Tahiti. Christensen is an optimist or an idealist, really, mm-hmm. um, that's seeing what Blythe is doing and tries to ma- maintain his his British officerhood, but at the same time, there's an anger that grows grows inside of him. And, um, and he's a rebel, and he kind of defies well, him with, well, while right. following the rules. But Byman is the center of, of the two polar opposites. Right. Of Captain Blythe is on one end, Fletcher is on the other end, and then you got Byman right in the middle. Yeah, Byman has to kind of make them make the decisions and make the plays in between them, uh, in right. between the two polarizing and they, entities. And you know, and they're pulling at him with his punishment and kind of how that happens, pulling him down or, and then going back up. Yeah, he's yeah. he's also getting you know kind of thrown apart in their battle. So I want to talk about talk about the intro. We talked a little bit about this last week with Argo. What do you guys think of these intros in general in the front of movies, where they kind of give you a little. You know, at Star Wars, it would be the scrolling. Right, sure. uh, do, do you think it's a little bit too explainy? Do you like when a movie kind of more starts hot? I think it depends. I think it works here to kind of give some context to what we're doing, that it's not just, um, I, I think it could be done poorly. Yeah. Well, and it, it worked in the beginning. Fine. Worked. But the problem was, they obviously ran themselves into a hole in the editing phase of, uh, of the movie because towards the end, they just jump... At, you know, to an explanation, and then they go to the next scene. Explanation, next scene. You you're talking about the at the, the end the of the pro, movie. yeah the epilogue. No, no, in the middle of the movie, there's there's written. Yes, yeah, in the middle of the movie. Oh, yeah, that works. Yeah. Yeah, the begin the beginning the intro though the beginning that stands out in the intro. That works. Yeah, that yeah. works. And, it, and but, I think it works because it's a historical it thing as well. Yeah, like and yes. If yes. it's if it's a full fiction, I think it's a little bit too much exposition. Yeah, do like, a better job telling the story. Exactly. Yeah, I think and, here, and when you're in another time and place, right? 
it helps to do the context. We talked about last week with Argo. In order to understand the struggles and the background of the Iranian mob, they can't just have an angry Iranian mob without showing it because exactly. it demonizes them. They ha you have right. to get some kind of... Context. Context as to why they're so angry. Right. And in Star Wars, you're literally thrust into this whole galactic war. It's Five nice minutes in, you'd have it'd be overwhelmed <laughs> and you'd be like, I it's can't It's kind of nice to know what's going on. Right. And the same thing with here, too. We're going back to the 1700s. Let's get an idea of what's going on here. Right, to even understand kind of how big a mutant, like what a mutiny actually means. Like everything, and it, it, it really helps, I think. Yeah. This first scene here at the pub, uh, where the press gang comes the recruiting, in. recruiting, huh? Yeah, the, the old British Ooh. impressment. D this stuck with me straight through. Like, it's one of the things I remember the most about this movie is, this, is that pub scene. Where it's like, you just imagine anyone hanging out. Just hanging out with your wife. Local, yeah, local watering hole. Yeah, just having a drink, and all of a sudden, boom, you're in the British Navy. Yeah. But what? <laughs> yeah. I yeah. mean, in Ellison, they got the the worst person just groveling. Yeah. But yeah. Oh, he kind of gives out a little. Uh, well, so they do the they do the first guy's like I'm a tailor, and then he shows the British the the, the Navy tattoo. The Navy tattoo. Oh, right. That was a great yeah. part when they pulled open the tattoo. Yeah. I was that like, tailor, that's huh? just that's knowing knowing what bar you're going into. And then Ellison gives his best Willy Wonka. Oh no! Please don't. You can't do this to me. Mm. Yeah. Like, I don't even believe he's a person now. I'm supposed to believe he's. Yeah. <laughs> she really dials it up to ten, though. Yeah. She does a nice little. Uh, she goes hard. I respect. Yeah. yeah. She she picks up the stakes I, where all Ellison drops. She's them. in what? She's in three scenes, and each time she's just going yeah. all out. Yes. Like she really hoped she would be someone from this. It was like. So that whole thing was it was interesting to me because we come from a time where the draft was the most crazy thing. Lotteries right. and at least it's a lottery. At least you have a chance. This is just like you're in the wrong bar. That's it. Yeah, right. knock on the window, boom. The no back door. Right, right. We need to get fifty men on this boat for two years to get breadfruit for slaves. That sucks, but but where they were taken from prisons and taverns. Right. Let's talk there's about. Old, if I could just go a little bit, uh, there's there's an old French book. I think it's, I think it's French uh, called Celine, where at the beginning of the book, the guy. There's a parade of all the soldiers going by. Mm -hmm. And the guy is a little drunk and he thinks it would be funny to march along with the soldiers. Ends up he gets taken in and now he's a soldier. They just, if he leaves, he's going to be killed for abandoning yeah. the group. And wow. it was just very reminiscent of, of Celine to me. Of now, now you're in the army. Yeah, it's, it, is yeah. That, it is that Navy draft, if you will, like you said. And it... I was reading one of Stephen King's new books. It's called The Institute. Okay. And they more or less, uh, a, and uh, this is the synopsis on the back of the book, so I'm not spoiling anything. A private entity basically kidnaps psychic children or children with spe special powers and puts them into The Institute oh, okay. to kind That's of, cool. uh, and then it, it goes from there. Right. But he, in the very beginning, describes it to British impressment. Oh really? And that's then like slightly explains it, and I'm like, oh god, that's Mutiny and the Bounty. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, and that brought me right back to that scene in the pub. So I thought it was a cool scene, and it just cut because then it's you know it's kind of easier to believe all the other things that are coming that these aren't well trained. Yeah. People who signed up for the Navy. I'm sorry. You know, these are people who two days ago were fake tailors. Yeah, yeah, and and I thought it was interesting too in watching today. It's you're introduced to to Clark Gable as a bad guy. You yeah, know, he comes is, in, ah, detain him, detain him, you know, and it's that's your first view of Clark Gable. You think, right. oh, is he going to be the grizzly? The mustacheless Clark Gable, yes. which is very, which throws, even a hundred years later, I was like, oh, that's a deal, yeah, right? Oh, he had a very George Clooney look to him without that mustache. Oh, what a stud. Yeah, I was right like, through the movie, because 
Because we talk about recasts, and I'm like, who does this guy look like? I thought you were like, it's Charles yeah. Clooney. Yeah, yeah, that's not my recast. But, right, yeah. But, but, I, I almost didn't want to bring us. I'm like, I wonder if they going to recast him because he looks exactly like yeah, him. Yeah, um, I think we all... A little too old now, though. Uh, yeah, yeah, I think so, but, too. 20 years ago, and it's the same look. Even the hair, without the ponytail thing, but with the hair, I was like, wow. Yeah. It's... So the, I think the movie does a pretty good job within the context of the idea that it's a 1935 black sure. and white movie where everyone's dressed the same. So that, that, that hurts the first viewing particularly. Because once they get on the ship, they do... Three or four of these guys do kind of look the same a little bit, so I kind of had to my second watch. Yeah, the prisoners. Anytime they're in that uniform, the the scene where the three of them are kind of fighting, it's Byam yes. and then the other two other navigators. Yeah, it's, it's Byam, yeah. Stewart, and Hayward, and right. they're and it's just like I'm trying to figure out which one's which. It, well, they're in the lodging. Yeah, yeah I'm trying yeah. to figure out which one got put up on the top, and it was you know, of course Byam, but right. So it, it it's but, a little tricky with it, but I think the movie does a nice job of introducing. You. They're talking about Bly. They're not showing you. They're kind of to oh and this guy see, Bly. Who's the captain? Bly, I'm out of here. Detain him. Right. You know, it, but <laughs> they, his his reputation precedes them. When the one guy in the tavern says, "Well, who's the captain?" He says, "Bly's like ah," oh. and I, it's like all right. So you they're you're, they're letting you know that this guy people know this guy even if they're in you know. Someone else. They're not in the Navy. They, his reputation means something. Yeah, and I think for a 1935 narrative, it's a nice job of getting out there. They did it exactly how they did it in 2020. It might be a little forceful right. with the, oh, the reputation precedes him kind oh. of idea. But I thought it, they did it in a nice enough way where it wasn't, it wasn't too in your face. I agree. Love the whole doc scene in the Great. beginning there. It's just... Ellison it's, trying to run away. I'll go to prison. Yep. 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 Yeah, this, you get the... You get the introdu- introduced to the drunken peg leg guy. Bacchus, Dr. Bacchus. Dr. Bacchus, the surgeon. Great, great character. <laughs> great the God character. of Wine. He's the comical version of uh, the Captain in Jaws. Um, yeah. You know, it's Robert Shaw telling his story, but it's a different story. It's how he lost the his life, but he's got six different stories about how he lost his life. Hey, Captain Clint. Yeah. yeah. I love Do- Dr. Bacchus. Just the amount of rum he had, and just his name. He's the Roman God of Wine. Yeah. And just coming on, just... and. Everybody, oh, oh, you're not feeling good? Well, at least you have your legs. Like, Did I tell you time. how I lost my leg? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like the fun version of the Joker and his scars. You Just know? a new story yeah, every time. Yeah. How I get these scars. Right, he's too drunk for a true origin story. I really... <laughs> uh, that's exactly it. Yeah. yeah. Just a, just an unreliable narrator as your surgeon for two years. Also seems a little old for a guy, you know, a little old and a little too drunk for a two-year voyage across the, around the world. Now, also in that early scene, something that bothered me, which which didn't seem true to life, is you got the the character who's who's now been um, impressed. What, impressed, what, yeah, impressed. impressed. Uh, and he's not going to see his wife and kids. And he's all, all down. The fucking worst. Um, oh, okay, that's Ellison. Yeah, the names here. He just has a, such a quick turnaround. Clark Clark Gable just gets him right away. Yeah. Like, Come on, <laughs> buck up, buddy. Oh, 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 you mean my wife and kid are here now? And right. I'm, oh, it's okay, I'm not going to see them yeah. for two years. All right, years. I won't go to prison. <laughs> yeah, Eddie, right. Eddie Quaylen is the actor, and he, I use the term actor loosely. <laughs> he's he's I, probably the one, he's probably the I one think, entity in this movie who, who, who you can clearly see his acting throughout the entire movie. I think he was taken into this movie the same way he was, character was taken into the movie. <laughs> <laughs> he was impressed into Hollywood. Like, right. Clark Gable was at a bar, and he's like, all right, we need a small, squealy, weak man. Let's go. You're in. And oh, no, please don't. Yeah, you'll be perfect. <laughs> and I think the whole point of that was just Clark Gable is that handsome and charming <laughs> that he right. could uh, convince you of anything. We'll be on an island for two years. You won't see your wife and kid. <laughs> yes, you will come back and your son will be three. You will be happy. 
God. So before the uh, the press gang comes in and forces us to join the British Navy, let's talk about what we're sipping on while we can still enjoy it here. Brendan, what do you have here today? Well, summer's not officially over, but I'm ready for it to be over. I'm drinking the Shackley. Hey, it's September 1st. You You're in the pumpkin zone. I'm in the pumpkin zone. I'm drinking the pumpkin ale and I'm loving it. If it were if it were late August, we'd have we'd have problems, but it is it, I actually did have a pumpkin in August this year, so I am guilty. I'll say I'm a little guilty. I never I have try a pumpkin, not to, but so this is I'm my first time. Not a pumpkin guy. Not a anti I haven't had a pumpkin beer in years. Wow, okay. Do not like them. I do hear that's the Shaffley one. My wife really enjoys that Shaffley's one. Shaffley's a great brewery, yeah, uh, I believe out in St. Louis. Yeah, so it's, it's a really good brewery, but they're pumpkins. It's alcohol-wise than I realized until... Yeah, it's okay, not a, it's not so like look out, uh, we'll look out for the second half of this podcast, <laughs> yeah, right. as always. Joe. So, unfortunately, no Montauk today, but always love to Montauk. But I'm still another small seaside brewery, uh, Ship Bottom Brewery. They're out of uh, Long Beach Island, New Jersey. I was just cool. there, so I loaded up on their beers. Um, I'm drinking the Mary Lee Please Don't Eat Me Saison. Very nice. Yeah, it's very nice. Named it, if you guys remember uh, the great white shark that they tracked up the East Coast a couple years ago, it uh, kind of laid camp around Jersey Shore. Yeah. So the bre- these guys at the brewery right on the beach made uh, named it after him. Oh, that's great. Awesome. Yeah. That's cool. And I uh, was able to get pretty thematic with this one. I have the Samuel Smith, oh. the old brewery, and it is uh, English India Ale. So it's, it's an original English IPA. Nice. So when they used to take the boats over from the West Indies right. in the in the cast under the ship, that's how the IPA got its name. Right. We've discussed that before. Yep. And all and, the hops to keep it preserved. Yeah, and this is an old English-style IPA. Oh, that's so, cool. Yeah, it's interesting. It wouldn't be my first choice now that I've tasted it. But, you know, it's, I'm, I'm sure the people at Samuel Smith do a, do a great job. Uh, the label is super cool. It's not a Samuel Jackson, though, as a Chappelle <laughs> ship. But yeah, so that's what we're sipping on today. Now that we've loaded up the ship with all our casks of rum and... We're, we're back in style. We're we've emptied all the bar regulars and put them into the, into the British Navy here. We're on the ship now. We're getting introduced to the heel of the century here. What an entrance. Charles Lawton as Captain William Bly. Just unbelievable. What an entrance. I mean, entrance. It, it's... I mean, is... Is there, is there a bigger heel heat check than Murder? coming in and <laughs> right in the whip him, lash him? Uh, he's dead. <laughs> Flog him. Do it anyway. <laughs> what? Twenty five lashes. <laughs> and Morrison just being like, "All right, just whipping the dead guy." Oh and, man! And, and not this isn't even out to sea at this point. This is in the harbor. This is what's great about watching these movies and then not going a couple years. And then watching him again is, I uh, put this on last night, and I'm like, all right, I, just, I know that he's just a great heel. And he just does, yeah. like, over-the-top, insane, bad guy moves. And I don't remember what most of them are, but I'm pretty sure I'm going to be excited about it again. And right out of the gate, when he, when he lashes the dead guy because he has to fulfill his, his right. sentence... I just laughed out loud and went, oh boy, here we go. That's right. Let's go. Especially he, he's whipping this guy to death and beyond, whipping right. his ghost, because he hit him. Right. So now we're already getting set up that this guy pushes the crew so much that they're ready to hit him, even mm-hmm. though that we know that that's a law where murder is cool. <laughs> and then he's so driven to make sure his punishment gets played out, like you said. He's just going for it. Oh boy. And then and then it's done, and then I think you have Byron who just goes, uh, he was... He was dead. 
buy him? That, that, why, why did he? Why did he? Whip? Why would you do that? That doesn't make any sense. <laughs> yeah, but hey, he's got to fulfill the law right down to the last stroke. Yeah. See, so it's three hundred lashes and a court martial, which is interesting to me because because as as the movie goes and there's hints of it in the beginning, I don't think he's the ultimate heel. I mm-hmm. think he's he's a mystery, actually, a figure which is actually a mystery of American history that um, they use. The captain to personify okay tycoon American tycoons of the Gilded Age that because he's actually a really great captain at the same yeah. time. Okay, so let's do this. Let's do this now. Okay, because this is one of the issues with yes. this movie. And Brennan, you kind of hit the nail on the head. I, I think there's a little more that you're expanding on there too. So there's additional thoughts you're adding into that, which is great too. But this depiction of William Bly is not really accurate to history. This is a one-sided depiction. This was to make Clark Gable look great. And yeah, it was, well, it was, well, they wanted to establish an evil entity within the movie. And even with them doing that, there's moments where you can kind of see where he's coming from. We we got into this conversation a little with with Nurse Ratchet in One Flew of the Cuckoo's Nest. There's a lot of intention stuff. Yeah, yeah, but... There is definite cinema movie making going on here. It's just like right. let's show them what the Wicked Witch of the West looks like, and that's um, and that's what he comes out well, as. Well, and I see what you I see what you're doing with that, and and I kind of like the intro, historical intro there because yeah. because it was a very American historical intro, and this is the most American movie about British material that I, I think you could ever get. Um, first of all, there, no one has a British accent. Well, the, yeah, Clark Gable is just—he's just—he's just, he's just, he's just no doing his thing. Bur- yeah, no one has one. Yeah, he oh, does. Well, Lawton pretend. does. Lawton does. That you definitely throw that there in a, a, a knock on the movie too. But I think it's one of those you just kind of—I feel the same like Departed. Like you have some people trying to do it, some people not even bothering, and then others that are authentically doing it. So I kind of—I—I I can lose. That doesn't bother me at all. Yeah, I can lose I, consciousness of that. A, a few that doesn't make in. me like it or li- or dislike it. Well, but, and I'm going to attack it from a different end. Is do you think that Fletcher is the hero of the movie? Because I don't think Clark Gable is the hero of the movie. I think that that is where the thematic discussion of this movie begins. Right. And, and that's a question I think we all have. And I think the... And this is one of the reasons why I really think very highly of this movie. And when we get to the end, I'm going to have a couple hot takes that I'm sure is, are going to shock some people. I think that this movie is set up in a Luke Skywalker... Darth Vader right. format as they show it to you in the beginning, but that gets complex as we go on. And then, is Bly really the villain at all times? Is Gable really the hero at all times? And where does the other guy fit in between too? So there, that's where where we have discussion of this movie. And I don't think that there's easy answers to that. And that's one of the reasons why I like this movie is just because the three of us can look at it a different way and mm-hmm. have a different opinion on what does the island represent. What does the ship, the bounty, represent? And that's the difference. What does Bly's journey on his escape pod, what does that mean? So there, there is, to me, there is symbolism in this movie. There is character dynamic. And good and evil is a little more gray than it's shown to you face value. But in these first scenes, it's very clear who the bad guy is, and it's very clear who the good guy is. Where the journey goes from there is where things complicate. It's one of the reasons why I love Lawrence of Arabia so much. Okay. Right, and that's and what we have. the movie's done very well in that is that Right, it's very obvious. Captain's the villain. Byman's somewhere in the middle, 
And then you have Fletcher is is your good is your hero. Yeah, and All there's those things. They're certainly polarizing. So so maybe not everything is good and evil, but there are they are north and south. And poles. that first and that first interaction with them in Bly's quarters where they go at each other, yep. they lay, really lay that down. I think one of the issues with it is Bly starting off so hot. There's mm-hmm. no kind of build into the villain. If the first thing we see is him murdering someone and then whipping them some more, how do you get more? Heelish, right? Yeah, but every heel needs a face. Without yeah. a face, the heel ultimately doesn't work. Yeah, there's, there's, you gotta have the, you gotta have the north and the south pole. Right. I also misstated it early in the beginning. Byman is not in the middle. He's just, as someone said it earlier, is he's just sort of this. He's figuring kind, it out. Kind of goofy character. That's yeah, you mean you show so him happy. And, he's an and officer. Whatever. He yeah. doesn't know about Bly. He has no issue with Bly's reputation, but he right. also understands that he's coming in as an officer, so that. He's not one of these guys who can get right, and he's introduced in a very silver spoon manner. Oh, yeah. You see him inside the uh, the upper class room mm-hmm. with yeah. his family, and it's oh, you know, you were born to do this. This is your ancestry. Right. You're making. He's making a dictionary of Tahitian language. Yes. He's not going there. You know, the, the boat's going there for breadfruit. He's going there for this this very high end exercise. Yeah, that, let's let's talk about breadfruit. For a second, what is what is that? Like, I mean, I know what it, I know what it is, but what what a terrible name for it! Terrible name. It's, it, it's either fruit or it's bread here. What is this? What is this? I imagine it was just a it's like when, a cheap when, apple or something, right? Yeah, it's that, and it grows like weeds and super fast. That's why. But it was, you know, it, it was being brought all over to the West Indies as slave food. This wasn't for yeah, the officers. This was slave food. You don't see bread fruit at the local grocery. Mark these days. No, you know, I would love not, to. Yeah. When Captain Cook's was cheaper team than was bananas, over, is what they say. Yeah, right. Yeah. Exactly. And when Captain Cook's team was over there, and they were trying to f- name this stuff, what it was called in Tahitian, that they were like, "We're gonna call this breadfruit." Yeah. <laughs> 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 That's uh, this breadfruit. Keeping it alive on a boat is not so easy, though. And we find that out a little later. Oh, we on. find that out, right? So we're we're on the we're on the journey on the boat now, and you, Joe, you brought up the the first real conflict between. Christian and Bly, and him saying, well, you know, I don't really care about your advice. I give the orders. I'm the captain. That's it. Yeah. My orders are what counts, and Mm -hmm. you're going to obey me. And he's like, "Eh, okay. We get kind of like a... And this is my favorite part of the movie, really, when I'm watching it, is just that whole leaving from from Portsmouth down to Tahiti. That whole journey there is my favorite. And Brendan, we get in this... You brought this up when we were talking about A Man for All Seasons and Jaws. The Indiana Jones map, as you called it. Oh, where I'm so glad you brought that <laughs> yes. up because I was going to bring that right, up. Right, the map of the world where they just kind of draw where I they're actually going. really appreciated so. that. I thought that was like a funny tool that I did not think I would like. Right. So, right, so when we brought it up then, I was talking about, so that was an adaption of a play and trying to put one scene to the next, they just were like, gonna ride down the river and I was like well I'm not suggesting that they just make a map but like Indiana yeah. Jones. It kind of works in this one though because you, you do need to get an idea of where they're sailing from and yeah. and how hard it is to do a route there. And how far it is. That it's yeah. not just this isn't a straight line through open water. We're going up and you know we're going down up and around. You're still kind of making a face though. So I how else would you do I that? I think it's a poorly a, a, a poor editing or production idea whoever's fault it was mm-hmm. we'll so you had to maybe kind of have like an exposition scene where someone's pointing at a globe and pushing his finger around I to think where typically it is. what movies do is they start in the beginning and someone explains their route 
Yeah. You know, and it's They do this, briefly. We're going to go this Bly way. kind of throws it out at them. Like, we're going to go around Cape Horn, and da-da-da-da-da, and yeah. that's his whole thing. But he th- So he throws it out there briefly, and I think they use the map as a way of being like, all right, just in case, it's 1935, and there's not Google, if you don't know where Cape Horn is. Yeah, right. and now the cool thing about the Cape Horn stuff was in, in the 84 version, they'd show the struggles that they went through trying to get around Cape Horn, and they don't really get into that no, in this movie. No, because especially since what Cape Horn actually pushed towards the mutiny, that it actually held a pretty yeah. substantial role in it, that just, in this, we just get a... Yeah, but how funny was that? Like, out. I'm watching this last night before I saw the bounty, and I, and they're just showing the, the line, I'm doing it with my finger for some reason, no one can see it, but they're doing the line toward Cape Horn, getting toward Chile... The end of Chile there, and then you just see a bunch of zigzags, <laughs> and it shoots off the other way. I'm like, it was almost like something you'd seen Family Guy or South Park, where it's just right. like, and like Peter like, got confused. Like, yeah, like what the hell is that? <laughs> and then I watched the bounty today. I'm like, oh, right. And then I saw, it, and then when I when I rewatched it today before we we're doing this, and I saw that it made sense to me. It was like, right. oh, that's what that was that whole cape. I went back and watched that scene because I was like. Oh, that's why the zigzags. It wasn't just being. F- I thought they were yeah. just kind of being funny about. How yeah, I don't long know. It was. I didn't know what. The I was hell like, that's was weird. But it's, whatever. It's funny to be that specific yes. and not explain it. Like, you're, well, like you go but as- I kind of like it because it yeah. doesn't treat you like you're an idiot. True. Well, and and I have a, a bit of suspicion, and maybe I'm wrong. I mean, we're talking 1935. We're a little closer to 1787 or whatever year that was. Mm-hmm. There's a comment made after Cape Horn in the film, and and Clark Gable just says. I can't criticize him for his seafaring ability. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and it's almost as if all the viewers knew yeah. what Cape Horn was. Well, my guess is there's probably editing. They, they probably right. they probably filmed scenes of them dealing with it, and then because of length just said, all right, they didn't come out right. And, and they also went, have to set up the fact that what this guy is about to do is yeah. an all-time feat of navigation. So I think they have to lay out that this guy... He might be a dick, but he is really good at what he does at that point. And my continues throughout the whole movie right. is that he's he's actually an amazing right world class seafarer. right yeah. he's world class seaman. It's just you know he's just an asshole right, and that's fine. But I, I would actually wonder what you know because this is based off you know kind of a it's pushed into three you know it's it's three books mm-hmm. and the director wanted to make a Captain Bly movie after this yeah with him like in charge of like a prison in Australia yep, in Australia yeah oh, like really? a prison colony yeah, <laughs> yeah. They, they had the script but it never came out but I would wonder let's just take the boat out of the movie <laughs> right. but I would wonder how many people were aware and like how read those three books were where people were aware of that route aware that Captain Bly was something like oh uh, yeah maybe maybe in 1935 we're a little right. more familiar with the story right. because you I know, think they were popular books exactly so. because I mean we read Mutiny on the Bounty we had to read it you know summer reading in 7th grade or whatever mm-hmm. I wonder if 1935 these three were huge books and that's why interesting so that there was more of an awareness of it that you know he this guy is a great seafarer this was not an easy movie to film no it's it, right, the stories are nuts yeah they they, they sailed they mm-hmm. got into a uh, a lifelike boat, the, the actual size of the bounty, yeah. and they sailed out to film this thing. And then on the way back, sailing back, all the film got ruined. They had to go back and do it again. And, and they all lived together. This was it. They had people not taking the job for this movie because they disliked Clark Gable so much. Yeah, right. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not living with him. Forget right. that. I'm not dealing with this guy for four months in Tahiti and then in an island off California. Yeah, where the Catalina wine mixer was it's like forced method acting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, there was a lot of that too between Lawton and Gable, who didn't yeah. get along. And, Which, and, oh, and there was, and they were, that was the goal. Was but like, they were let's, cast to not like each other. Yeah, right? let's. We want two guys who really aren't going to like each other in real life, so that really plays off. Like unbelievable, movie. like they cast Lawton because 
you know, not also really accomplished actor, and I know he's a, he was a big um, acting teacher. Yeah, taught a lot, but homosexual, and yeah. they talked and overt short, homosexual. Oh, yeah, too. Like, oh, really? and, yeah, yeah, and they yeah. talk about and when he was cast, his um, part of this casting was that he wanted his. So he was married. He had the beard. But then he had a boyfriend that he said, he's like, I'd want him to come to Tahiti with me. And on, and apparently he was just this big jacked guy that would just give him massages all day. Yep. And then Clark Gable, and Clark Gable notoriously is... homophobic, were like, right. this would start conflict. 1935, backwards time. Right, exactly. Know, it's, but he, and Clark Gable was a little more on the macho side of things. Exactly. Yeah, another one of the big things, one of the conflicts that would happen, this is more in the movie making of things, is Lawton is a, Lawton is a, is a method actor. He, he gets is the R D of yeah. <laughs> instead of saying edit it out. <laughs> right, right. He he is very intense about his character, and he plays odd characters in The Hunchback of Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. In Hobson's mm-hmm. Choice, he's kind of a curmudgeon of a father. He's he's really gets involved in his roles, and one of the things, one of his styles of acting, is is that he doesn't like to make eye contact yes. with the other actors. He wants to. And, and his quote is, and one of the reasons that he does this is, and this is how he describes a lot of the characters he plays, each role is a man in a self-contained universe of pain. And that's how he has his, right. has his roles. Now Clark Gable is sitting there saying, this guy won't look me in the eye, he's trying to steal every scene. He wants you know, to be out of this he's movie. He's staring off into the way. He's like, come on, like, we're co-stars here. Like, right. you're not gonna, you know, everything's a monologue where you're not looking at me. Like, we're supposed to be acting off each other here. So yeah. as a, as you could see the animosity on the screen, I, it played real well with the two of them, and it, and it I, worked. And but the hearty beanness of it, when he didn't like a uh, a, um, a take, he would do something at the end to ruin the entire right. thing. Yes, and so it drove actors they, insane. Yeah, so, uh, sorry, drove directors. Directors. Insane. They they talked about one one of the lengthier scenes on on literally on the water. It was when they're redoing everything because all the initial stuff was damaged. This long scene, and as the director's about to yell cut, he goes, "Well, I wasn't on any of my marks. Let's start over." And, <laughs> Yeah, drove them, drove them nuts. So, so he got very, into it. Very cool dynamic between the two of them, though. Or, or, well, I guess it wasn't so cool behind the scenes, but like, but As on screen, the product right. really came out, came hey, out real great. Hey, they casted the movie. So, <laughs> some of the the I guess not pranks, but some of the the punishments that go on in that, the water in that stretch there. Well, the keel hauling, yeah, which was basically it was almost like. a Pirate tactic. That was a pirate yeah. tactic. That's what it yeah. comes yeah. from. Where they, they, they t- yeah they tie the guy. The guy just, just asked for there. water. They're yeah. like, oh, you want some water? Oh, right, yeah, boom. Yeah. I had to wash my knees. Well, we'll wash your knees. But this is when... Keel hole! <laughs> I like it. When he, he shouts out, uh, he shouts out, uh, haul away! You know, it's like, yeah. this guy done this. It's, it's, it's like, yeah, they got a guy for that. Like, right. It's like, all right. <laughs> I mean, I th- work. I'm yeah, pretty right. sure Morrison's job is just the punishment you know, enforcer, right? Yeah, but, yeah. But, you know, and this is when Bly tells us, we are under articles of war, under articles of war, I am allowed to punish... Yeah, and they so they, they send I'm they send by him up to the yeah, send by him up to the mast in the middle of the storm. Comes back down, and Christian's got to explain to him. All right, going back up there, buddy. Here's a bottle of, a bottle of rum, though, so help. So help and this, you a this is bit. when this is when Doctor Backus says, "Oh, you have to go back, but at least you have both your legs." Right. <laughs> <laughs> Which is his his soothing for everything. Of course, I um, enjoyed it. That's such an important scene because at that point, Clark Gable knows there's something wrong with the cat. He doesn't know how to how to face it. This is a victory for him. That mm-hmm. he's he's been able to pull him down, get him some rest, save his guy, and then put yeah. him back up. Mm-hmm. And you can see him smile as he gets to the top, mm-hmm. and he's like, "Oh, he made it." Yeah. It becomes obvious as the movie goes on that th- that's not how you 
that's it's not going to work with the captain. He's right. not going to change his ways. And I, I thought that was a really important scene, like you're saying, especially about the push and pull by him, but also about how good again of how good of a captain Bly is in terms of navigation. That storm was no joke. He was standing on the wheel with the guy pulling the wheel while doling out vicious punishments. But uh, you know he's doing his job too. So I thought I, I so I thought it was you know really doubly important. For, you know, like you were saying, oh, because it, it, there's a lot to it. So after the, after the big storm, this is one of my favorite scenes of the movie here, and this is going to be my quote. Bly addresses the, the crew and basically says, all right, we've had our first big storm, you know, and I've been watching you guys, and here's what I have to say, and singles out three of them. Mm -hmm. And I have his quote there as he goes that here. So this is where he's kind of really starting to stick his thumb into what's going on here and turn into it. So this is uh, his addressing of the calls everyone up on deck, and here we go. During the recent heavy weather, I've had the opportunity to watch all of you at work on deck and aloft. You don't know wood from canvas, and it seems that you don't want to learn, so I'll have to give you a lesson. You, you, and you, step forward. You three are a disgrace to salt water. <laughs> I love Ten that. days on half rations. And I'm just like, oh God, he was watching me? Like, well, I was just trying to... <laughs> there was 50 of us. <laughs> yeah, the, right, and then he's like, what? He gets the first guy, he's like a thief, and then the second guy, I love this too, and he goes, you, what's your name? He goes, oh, Thomas Ellison, I was pressed into service. I've got a wife and a baby. And he goes, I asked you your name, not the history of your misfortunes. <laughs> I love so, that. So yeah. classic. Right behind it then is one of um, then Christian's greats where he's like, hey, listen, these guys aren't sailors. They were yeah. forced into this. Let me give give me ten days to kind of get them trained a little bit, and he just says, "Nope, half rations." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like, eh, nah. no, 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 they, they're they're on this boat. They need to yeah, do I'm it. I'm just gonna punish them, right? Right. You know, half rations. The misfortune like line brutal. was interesting to me too. Of just which one is he talking about? The misfortune of, of coming onto the boat, or the misfortune of having a wife and a kid? Yeah, there 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 yeah. is kind of the miss the the double play, and now that's they don't go into Bly having. A wife, or they no, don't they show do. any romantic relationship with him on any of the girls on the island. Very so they keep. So that's another thing that they kind of kept out of the truth. Right. Where in reality, Bly was happily married, yeah, happily and, married. and the only one who was faithful to his wife on yeah, those trips, like the, and had like seven kids. Yeah, so numerous kids, and on that on the island, they said he was the only guy who did not go outside of that. Yeah, and I think that they made his character more elusive in this, right. where they and I think in that line, Brennan, you brought a good point is. What's the misfortune right. that you got right. pressed into this or that you have the wife? Because I think they did a nice double... To, he's clearly talking about right. the impressment, but the way they worded it... It's, it's an interesting of, point yeah. because we're seeing Bly in this you know, this setting. There's no humanity attached to him. Right? Oh, if you know this guy has a wife and kids at home, it's a little bit different. So you definitely take it the double way like that, which is smart. There I bring up the next generation in another podcast, but Captain Picard is, is I think, the polar opposite captain of... <laughs> Of this captain, and same thing though. No wife or kids ever, and I think, I think there is a Hollywood fascination with the captain who's dedicated, married to the sea, right? Yeah, married to the you're married sea, to your dedicated boat, dedicated to his ship. Mm -hmm. Yeah, right, your ship, whether it's space or, yeah. But I, and I think there's something to it. Something that your your level of devotion to this thing is not mine. So if you are, if you do have this family, if you do have this outside thing, are, are you really a hundred percent on the mission? Yeah, and we're gonna kind of kind of see like a a montage of him punishing people next. You gotta almost want Eye of the Tiger to play in the background, yeah, just while, you know. <laughs> dun dun dun! You over there, lashings for you, lashings for you. Dun, well, it it dun, starts dun. when the when the two guys come out. He's like, 
oh, these two are unfit for service. He's like, no, they're not. Go. Yeah, <laughs> send them back out. And so, then he just starts fucking people up. Yeah. So I haven't seen the more modern version. Do they do a montage of so, punishment? No, no. So the the modern version is, and we're talking again about the 1984 version. Yeah. The Bounty is the name of the movie. And we'll talk about it a little more in length toward the end. It shows a much closer character study. Right. right. Anthony Hopkins plays Bly. You kind of see him go bad. Right. Throughout the journey, there's development in character. And okay. yeah. Him and Fletcher Christian are good friends. Right. When the journey starts, uh, which is true he convinces life. Fletcher right. Christian to go on the trip with him because he, he promotes, wants someone he trusts. He even promotes oh, Christian on the ship. Yeah. Which again, true to story, Christian was the number three guy, but then um, Bly promotes him to number two guy because the number two guy was a coward. And Bly starts to lose his mind as the trip goes. Tahiti plays much more of a role in the 84 one as the break. Because as that, you as see the, the shift in characters. Yeah, yeah. And, and you see Mel Gibson, who plays Christian, kind of start to become enamored with the island right. and less interested in going back to England. Right. And that's where do the split. They that. They it's, do capture that in this movie. Yes. Um, 1984's smarter about the way they do it, and it's sure. really... But yes, sure. I mean, I saw Clark Gable's mutiny of the ship almost like he just wants to go back and marry that woman. Yeah. Right. You know, and, yeah, and, and almost, the, Mel, the Mel Gibson role is even dialed up. Worse than yeah. yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and he's taking all these people down with him just so he can have what he wants. And then the question really becomes, who's the real, who's the real Tyronius? Um, Tyranius? Yes. Yeah, I think you, you'd like the bounty version quite I think a bit, too. It's, it's, it, there's development there. It's not just, this guy's a dick. And you could right. make the argument that this is more entertaining, though. That's it. That might be the better movie, and that I might be the better character study, but this... As a villain story, this is better. Like, Bly yeah. is really excellent, because when, when I turn on the bounty, I was like, oh, man, Anthony Hopkins is you know, one of my favorite villains of all time, Hannibal Lecter, now coming in as another villain. I was super pumped. And then in the beginning, he's with his kids, and him. And yeah, he's, he's like and he's a likable guy. And he's at a bar with Christian. He's like, "Oh, come on, on the ship, we're gonna go to Tahiti. I haven't been there in ten years. When I was there with Captain Cook, and I was like, this isn't what I expected, which was good, but um, it was definitely a different dynamic." Okay, so we have the we have that cheese incident here next, and that's kind of the turning point. It's when Christian really first calls him out straight out on the way he treats the guys, and this is where we see the great. Bly kicks him out, and Bly says, "Ah, oh, everyone's against me. The officers and the men." And the old officers refuse to eat the cheese. Yep, they refuse to eat the cheese. Then Christian was really the only one who would look at him. But yeah, they and that's going to kind of set up the beginning of the seeds of mutiny. But we're headed to the uh, the island of Tahiti now, where land ho. And before we get into that, we're going to take a little break here, and we're going to discuss these aforementioned horror picks that Brendan B is going to throw into the mix. He's got his three choices. Rounding out the, the pools. That's it. The classic, the underrated, and the horror movie you think in an alternate universe could have been nominated for Best Picture. And as a surprise run-in, yes, the glass breaks, and we have a <laughs> special guest for the first time in BPC history. I love this. This is exciting. New yes. ground for the BPC. The lights go out, the crowd roars, and we have making his BPC debut, Steve B., What's going on, guys? Happy to be here. Uh, horror movies are, are one of my favorites, so I've been looking forward to jumping in and getting involved. Uh, I watched closely the uh, last competition. What was it? The under fifty percent yeah, sub fifty rotten, uh, rotten Tomatoes. And my pick in the beginning was Roadhouse from Grant, and I was pretty hyped to see that take it. So I, I'm uh, excited to get involved in this one. 
I like that he's making his debut in his Hulkamania shirt. That yes, is, uh, that's right. It feels very legit. I feel like the crowd didn't expect it. He came running down the yes. down the lane, and now he's just yeah. He's, Rick Derringer played over the over the, the PA and the just real pointed at the crowd, just right. knocked the us all with his elbows, and <laughs> cut sleeves and all. That's right. Ready and Steve, we we mentioned him a little bit in, in the mm-hmm. past a couple of years. You will be doing an episode in the in the future. We don't know which one yet, but uh, this is a nice little debut. Yeah, in the I'm middle excited. Hero. I'm excited. So Brendan and Steve are both going to give their movies. It'll add six more to the pool, and we'll be just about ready to round out the yeah. field of 24. So I think Jay Dowski is going to be the final three to do that, and it'll be in our Gentleman's Agreement episode, which will be will be coming up next time. And we get Twitter but, going. So we're going to start. What are you going to start with? Yeah. The classics, guys. Is that well, that was that was the order you. Uh, well, it, you it went doesn't in, matter. So whatever. I'm wondering if I should be an asshole and go the opposite. If direction. you do, you want to do <laughs> underrated? No, I'll, go, I'll go classic first. I'll classic, go classic first. first. Okay, so we'll go. Brennan, you give yours. Steve, you give yours. We'll go back and forth. I like and it. So Steve and I are last last in the group to do this. Uh, I think, right? Yes. Okay. Right. So your classic, Brennan. So my classic is Nightmare on Elm Street. And I know that uh, that Joey had the, thir- the third, third one, one, which was actually very surprising to me. I loved the first one, loved the second one. The third one, I kind of didn't know what I was watching. Uh, it was really over yeah. the second one. Wow. So um, Joey, I watched that this week, so for the first time, right. and I actually really enjoyed it it's a great. lot. I thought it was it was different. It was cool. How good was the TV I, room? I scene? hate the second one. So second okay. I can't stand yeah. the second one. Yeah, but so I yeah I thought I loved that song. But Brendan, yeah. why did you choose that as your classic? Um. So this is. A long time been one of my favorite horror movies. It's it has a perfect mix of both campiness and actual horror. This movie actually scares the shit out of me. Hmm. Um, but at the same time, I know it's it's like eighties version. Really great uh, final girl. Really great Johnny Depp yeah. debut. Yeah, I think it was four or five years ago. I was I I watched it like several times throughout the time that I lived there. My roommates were buying me. Nightmare on Elm Street swag. I have a shirt. <laughs> they have a, I have a keychain thing. They yeah. just kept buying me Freddy Krueger stuff. I bet you that Freddy Krueger doll over there, probably, which made its way over here, is probably one of those swags. That is one about. of those swags. There you That's, go. How did you get that? Made its way over here. He I, st- I, I dreamt it. it. Okay. I dreamt it one night and it popped up. There you go. Right next to me. There we go. Right. I have a, I have a Freddy Krueger shirt that says "Sweet Dreams." <laughs> <laughs> Very nice. All right, so good choice, good choice for sure. I, I'm I'm a Freddy over Jason guy personally. Did mm-hmm. like those movies a little a little better, but I also haven't seen all the Jason movies, so I, I reserve a little bit of judgment with it. Okay, uh, Steve, your classic. All right, so my classic uh, goes back a, a long while, and I've mentioned to Kieran a few times that I took a film class when I was 19 years old uh, in Georgia. And the first movie that was shown was Citizen Kane, and it really made me fall, fall in love with films. The second movie that was shown, and my choice for a classic horror film, is a movie called Freaks, 1932. One of us. Yes. One of us. Yes. Yes. It's <laughs> a great choice. I wasn't sure if uh, you guys would have known that one, but then when I heard you, you throwing around some names earlier, I figured you, you might have heard of this one. But that was Todd, uh, Todd Browning who did Dracula in 1931. So MGM signed him on to do this movie, Freak. So you both have seen it? Mm-hmm. Uh, I've only seen clips and spoofs, because the yeah. South Park is South Park's done it. A lot of people I think, like O.J. Simpson yep. and John Bonet parents. Yeah. Were like as, and then, obviously, Wolf of Wall Street, too. Right. I've seen the very edited one. I haven't seen yeah. the full original well, the one. Full That's hard one to find. was an hour and a half. Yeah. Uh, and it was banned flat yeah. out. 30 years the movie was banned in the U.K. I think it's still banned in Ireland It's today. still banned in a couple places, yeah. yeah. 
And it's just, uh, I think it was ahead of its time. Even if you look at something like American Horror Story. Yeah, they did um, a whole season on it. They did a whole season on that stuff. And when it first came out, people were appalled because it uses individuals that were considered, quote-unquote, I'm using this as a quote, freaks, Mm -hmm. people that had disabilities. Uh, One of the guys in the movie, one of my favorite scenes is the guy, he's armless and legless, uh, and he lights a cigarette. Um, using a match all with his mouth. It's pretty... Uh, it's a good it's scene. Pretty, it's pretty impressive and it's really cool, but uh, I don't know if we do spoilers here, uh, so I'm not going to spoil the ending, but it's a massive climax that kind of leads to a pretty shocking ending. Uh, wow, and you, cool. use the, you use the term a lot, uh, tarring and feathering people. <laughs> uh, and I'll just give you a hint. It, it doesn't end well for, for a certain individual. Um, but I don't find it is a horror movie in a sense where the ending's kind of horrifying. But yeah, that was my gonna be my question. I didn't realize that was a horror movie. I guess I didn't know what it was. Though. It's a horror movie. Yeah. Yeah. The the ending again. We're not going to spoil anything. Yeah. The ending was part of the reason that it freaked freaked people out so bad is the makeup and everything was so believable at the end that they thought this happened to that person. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And it uh, cool. it ruined the guy, the director uh, Todd Benning's uh, career as a, yeah. as a director, because uh, he had some status with Dracula in 1931. Then he did this, and I remember watching this as a 19 year old, and feel, and I, it stuck with me to you know when you had sent me this message saying think of a classic, I thought of this right away, and I, I was working today, and on my lunch break I watched some of it again, finished it up here earlier just to to relive it again a little bit. And it's terrifying in the sense that uh, this is 1931, uh, and it was kind of ahead of its time, but also sympathetic to people that have disabilities or are born yeah. in a certain way. But in the end, you are one of us, and it's, that's it. Not yeah. everyone's normal. Well, now yeah. Google gobble that you are one of us. One of the things we like to do here is we like to say the uh, the beers we're sipping on. Yes. Plus this spot. So what do you want to yeah. tell, uh, tell the world what you're sipping on here today? I'm sipping on, and I went and bought it today. Uh, my favorite brewery on Long Island here, Sand City. This is a new beer that they just dropped, uh, Secret Spot Ditch Plains, which is oh, my nice. favorite place oh. to surf. It's an eight and a half double IPA, uh, and it's delish. Nice. Well, so if, if for a short segment, you got to get the IP, yeah. uh, IPV up there, though. That's pretty good. Uh, okay, so great choice. Yeah, thanks. Underrated next, Brennan. Hop in with your underrated flick. So... And underrated kind of means whatever you want it to mean. It right. can be, it's, it's something that you think deserves a shout out, needs another view. I was going to get into that because to me, this is an underrated film. I think it did well in the box office, but I, th- I think since it's been quite forgotten. Okay. The Others. The Others. So Sorry. Nicole Kidman's in The Others, right? Nicole Kidman is in The Others. Got it. Yes. Um, and I think she's the only real of name actor mm-hmm. Uh, in that, I'm glad someone said we're not doing spoilers, so I won't go there. Yeah. But it's um, yeah, we want to throw these out of suggestions to sure. people about watch. Sure. Or you could do the Artie move and not even give people no, just, time yeah, to pause. Tell the, yeah, tell the ending right before, right <laughs> after you say the title. <laughs> you know. Uh, but it, yeah, it's, it's mother with her children living in a mansion, and the father's off the war, and she's trying to take care of her kids, and they are of a very extreme ailment where they can't be exposed to the sun. So the windows are always uh, curtained off. It's creepy haunted house movie. What I really do recommend, it's quite different from Nightmare on Elm Street in that it's not gore, it's total thriller. Right, someone jumping out from behind the right. door. I like the haunted yeah, house stuff. It, I've never seen this, but it sounds cool. Yeah, it's been a movie that I haven't, that's, I haven't either, but yeah, been a movie that... It. 
people okay. recommend it to me. Yeah, I've think, heard about it before. I think I'll already be as big on, on the others. Maybe, yeah, okay. because I've, this has been talked about recently where I know I need to watch it. Yeah, well, that, that'll so. go okay. on my watch list for sure. All right, so that fits in the underrated category. Yeah, yeah, yeah really sure. perfectly. Because yeah. <laughs> And that's another one I don't maybe people may not know exactly... If it's a horror or not, you know, I, I think just thought, it was like it was like two thousand. Well, when that, we had that right? World War Two aspect to it, it's right. like it, it was a World War Two, like movie. a period piece horror movie, weird time. Yeah, I think it was actually a little bit uh, after the Sixth Sense time. Since uh, yeah, I feel like it felt a weird part yeah. of when movies were coming out, just kind of got lost. But yeah, yeah. sounds sounds cool. I'm, in, films, I'm into yeah. it. I like haunted house stuff too. I think that's smart. Very nice, very nice. All right, so Steve, you're underrated. All right, my underrated. I'm pumped for this one because this terrified me as as a kid, um, and I also tortured my brother for years with this one, and it spawned many sequels. I don't even know how many. I should have counted it up. But they're, they're, even recently, they've made a movie. Uh, they made a sequel, and I think it's totally underrated. It was at the Cinema Arts Center, double feature. I watched two years ago, and I sat down. Like, this is actually a really good film, and my favorite quote from it is, "Hi." I'm Chucky. Want to play? Yeah, love it. Um, Child's Play, 1988, the original. And, uh, oh, fantastic! And thing, it kind of spawned off all these, you know. They were still kind of entertaining. Some of the, the Bride of Chucky and all these ridiculous. Bride uh, Chucky sequels. was ridiculous, but it works. But it works. <laughs> but the first movie I sat and watched it was so it was Friday the Thirteenth Part, like whatever thirty, and then Child's Play comes on afterwards. And it's, it's sinister in mm-hmm. the beginning. Uh, the guy... Um, our, our friend Billy yeah, from Cuckoo's Nest. Well, yeah, yeah. Bill, he stole that from me. Brad Dourif. Who, Brad Dourif. He, he voices Chucky. Uh, he's in Cuckoo's Nest. He plays Wormtail in, in Lord of the Rings as well. So he's... A, you know, And the cop, I forget the cop's name, the actor did a great job. Uh, and it was one of those things where it was, uh, this was a serial killer uh, kind of... You know, caught in the beginning of the movie, and they and they build it up how Chucky became actually Chucky, uh, and just kind of terrifying. It spawned all the sequels, the doll, and you know people dress up as Chucky for Halloween still. Uh, so it had an everlasting effect. But I don't think people really truly appreciated the first film as not being just a movie, but an actual film with cinematography and and editing and dark and sinister. Uh, feelings to yeah, it. Yeah, absolutely. Great, great choice. Yeah, and I like jo- that and a lot. Joe, in in the second episode of BPC mm-hmm. ever, in one for the Cougar's Nest, we had a, a nice little talk about about Child's Play yeah. and how it had that Jaws factor yeah. of not seeing the monster Which and so great, and just seeing it through his eyes. And, and it got and, kind and, of lost in all the sequels. That the first one is really yeah, great. Like actually, and a, someone a might be listening and go, oh, "Child's Play? How is that underrated?" No, no, no. I think that's a perfect choice for underrated I agree. because 100%. you lose grip of how good that yep. first film was and I totally think that, yeah. that, that 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 gets undershot for what it is I agree and and there's another thing there because for me if you ask me about Child's Play I say I hate that movie and I hate that movie because I love that movie it scares <laughs> <laughs> yeah. that's a great it's, answer well, yeah, yeah. Well, and yeah. The, the Jennifer Tilly ones get goofy later on like and said, I think that's what people think they are the seed of Chucky yeah. demonic <laughs> the voice is demonic too his voice is great uh, and I didn't realize it was uh, it was the guy from one who flew, flew over the cuckoo's nest one of those characters yeah Brad movie, Dorf. So I thought that was pretty interesting yeah very very cool great great choice yeah. great choice I think there was like six or seven of them right bunch and for bunch. the main event here the one that you think, in your opinion, it's up to your opinion, you're, you're, you're using your seat in the Academy to nominate it, could have been up for Best Picture in the year that it came out. So my nomination for Best Horror Movie is Blair Witch Project. Wow, Steve, did, did... that was one that I was gonna go with, but I, you know, I thought okay. that it was too of a 
a popular pick, so I switched mine up. So okay. Was, <laughs> so there we go. No, no, I, yeah. I, I love that movie. I, yeah. I had a yeah. backup also, by the way. Yeah, the, yeah um, so yeah, Steve we said today off-air, off said no one picked Blair Witch Project. Right. Yeah, I was surprised, too. Yeah, and Brendan, I'll, I'll let you go back to it, but I think that is awesome. an outstanding choice. Me and too. I think I mentioned... Yeah, on the the American Beauty podcast, when me and Jay Dowski talked about 1999 and what a year of movies it was, Blair Witch Project was up for a Razzie yeah. that year for one of the worst movies of the year, and I think it could have been up for an Oscar. And I said that on that episode, so I think you picked well, it. Shining is the same way, right? The same deal. Yeah. No, yeah. I, I think that's a super super good um, choice, especially all that went into when people thought it was real and the actors they didn't really know what was a going tremendous on. production. Like, just the entire story behind it is, and how their careers were all destroyed because everybody thought it was real and yeah, that they the were actors. Insane. And the yeah. other, right, and the other side of that too is such a groundbreaking film. I mean, they filmed it with the mm-hmm. camcorder. How many times was, it was Cheap. not accepted Cheap. to do that when they did it. What was the budget? Um, that was kind of the crazy thing. It was like ten grand, forty like grand, 10, something. Yeah, grand, something right. And, and it was a GPS point, and three cameras. Yeah. Right. And at that point, everyone's into big blockbuster films, mm-hmm. and they make this movie for like a million bucks, maybe. Like yeah, put found footage on the map, and if right. you see that with the Paranormal yeah. Activity exactly. movies later, those don't exist that. without Blair yeah. Witch. Yeah. yeah. Right, so uh, I think I it's a think, fantastic choice. I think if the if the Academy was was willing to accept it, it, it definitely could have been an Oscar. Uh, if not winner, then definitely nomination. You know, that's one that you could slide into classic. You could slide into underrated. Mm-hmm, you could sure. slide into yeah, that fits into best picture winner. Because, that could do some damage in this pool. Yeah, yeah uh, that too. Especially yeah. came out in nineteen ninety eight. So people our age so on Twitter voting. Age, like, I went to Broadway Mall freshman year. And it was so packed, the theater, from the marketing, that I yep. sat front row. My neck was, like, broken up <laughs> at the screen. But I remember being hyped to see it and, and truly, like, kind of scared at the marketing and the promotion of it, which was obviously all bullshit. But it was really good. And before, really, yeah. the Internet was, like, a thing you knew yeah. how to utilize. So it was yeah, perfect. Yeah, crazy. They, they were very smart. Oh, They oh, made they big were money. really smart. Yeah. I think I was in sixth grade when I saw that film. Yeah. It was with two of my friends in sixth grade on a sleepover. None of us slept the rest of the day. <laughs> and, and it's interesting that you picked that for that year, too, because that year was one of the rare years where a horror movie was nominated yeah. for Best Picture in the Sixth Sense. Yeah. But, right. Uh, but anyway, so great choice. Yeah. Steve, going to round out the troops yeah. here. Yeah, I, you know, I had Blair Witch today in my mind, and I, I switched it up after seeing uh, something recently. I'm going to have to go with The Lighthouse. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I was actually really excited yeah, for that. Yeah, <laughs> Haunting. Devices. Uh, Devices. I'll, I'll, I'll let you guys get into that another time. I'm just messing around <laughs> with Kieran. Um, so I chose a movie uh, that I saw a few times. First time I saw it, I thought it was horrifying. Second and third time, I don't. I, I didn't love it as much as I did the first time. Uh, 7.3 IMDb, uh, 89% Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, I think it should have booted Bohemian Rhapsody out of Best Picture, um, you know, nominee. Uh, and this is hereditary, and I don't think it was it was picked right, correct? It was no, not. it's not. Uh, mm-hmm. I actually just saw that for the first time yeah. recently. So, I haven't seen it. It's been recommended. I'll, I'll argue, you know, with people on it a little bit. People didn't love the ending. Uh, I'm not going to give the ending away. But as far as being just a disturbing, and I was talking to Joey a little bit beforehand um, and Brendan about this, I like to be disturbed and not necessarily have it just be corny jump scares the entire movie. Uh, I thought the acting was insane. Tony Collette. The dinner scene. Um, well, yeah, it was just it was insane. She, I thought she was snubbed for a, an Oscar nominee as as uh, actress. 
Um, but as far as being a horrifying movie with disturbing scenes and leaving you kind of terrified, uh, I thought it did its job in an era now where a lot of uh, new horror films are just, in my mind, uh, lacking in a lot of areas. And same director as my choice yeah. uh, for uh, Midsommar. Yes. Midsommar, yeah, your yeah. choice for yeah. one that you could that could have been. Exactly, same, same category. Yeah, Ari so. Aster director. Yeah. Ari Aster. So, uh, yeah. big fan of his. Um, and the soundtrack was chilling. Yeah. That, that dinner scene, I think Tony Collette's acting is Crazy. off the walls. Crazy. And I've heard that movie on a lot of people's lists of best movies in that year, mm-hmm. and a lot of people thinking that it was snubbed at the Oscars, and yeah, that's a that's a choice, and I think that I think that all six of the movies you guys picked there are going to have are going to have some legs. In I this think these thing. were really good choices. Yeah, good, good choices. Yeah. And and now you guys both kind of said, well, oh, you're getting a little bit of the raw end of the stick because we got to pick movies first. But at the it same time, fun, I like trying to find different ones. You got to have a little more perspective, right? And yeah. and went into it. Where now I know RDB is going to complain. Well, I didn't know we were doing a tournament. What the hell is it? You know, right? Because now, you, if you kind of think, listen, Hereditary is going to get that Twitter vote that drives very nuts. popular. That's very gonna, popular. That's going to get. When I did my three for the last one, I didn't know we were doing a tournament. Well, not right. But you know, I think so RDB should know better than to pick Speed Two Cruise Control right. for anything. That's a you talented know? choice <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Right. Battleship's fun. I will. I will stand with Battleship. Now, now that everyone's done picking, because um, I had one up for I was, and I wasn't sure it was a horror movie. Pan's Labyrinth. Would you consider that a horror movie? Because that one, that I, was one of my Oscar picks, and I'm like, I don't think it's a horror. Movie. I would, but wasn't it nominated for certain uh, things? It Ooh. wasn't, but it, it wasn't was, nominated for Best Picture, it so we would have been. It would have yeah. been. Yeah. It foreign films. Oh, I yeah. had that on my list. Yeah, that one would have been the question. Yeah. I mean, we did say the caveat that it's how whatever it's however you right. define it. Yeah. So if you think that's kind of more of a fantasy movie for me, yeah, I don't think I'd go horror, so but I don't think I'd fight you on it if you brought it yeah, up. Yeah, I right. think you'd be, like, uh, yeah, you'd, th- you'd be able to get through. You could convince me. Yeah, like I want to the scene with the eyeballs and she's, you know, good scene. Of, yeah. Um, oh yeah, that's definitely a horror scene. And I thought I thought the same thing today when I was going through this in my head. That that was one of the ones that popped up in my mind also. Yeah. Can I ask you guys a question that I had here since I got into horror today? And but I thought more movies, horror movies were nominated for for best picture but only six ever only six. and one has won uh so do you guys know it's six of them um let's see if we can well this is gonna go we're gonna go back down oh, the same debate again one. right exactly because we had the discussion is, is jaws a horror movie or not yeah. we actually had a twitter poll that was basically yeah. like 51 percent to 49 percent, right. and i'd say it is that's my vote so did you count that so as one of yours it was it was six I think Jaws matters on perspective. Jaws, is it a man chasing the shark yeah, or Jaws a shark chasing Jaws is number man? two on the list, and I'm going from oldest to, right. to, to most current. Six Sense, six sense was another six one sense. Six Sense. Um, so Jaws, I, Six Sense. I was going to put one, and you were like, that's not... Uh, you're like, first, don't show me your list, and second, you can't do one that was nominated. Okay. What was that? So which is the one that won? Uh, I think believe yours was Exorcist. Yeah, Silence of the Lambs. Exorcist. Exorcist. And then how about nominated. I'm going to throw one out there? Was Rosemary's Baby nominated for no. Best Picture? It wasn't. Okay. It just got a Best wow. Actress, I think. Okay. So we got right, Exorcist, yeah. Jaws, and Lambs right now. So three more. And Six Sense. Six Sense. Yeah. Six so that's four out of six. Two more. None newer than Six Sense, right? Two newer than Six Sense. Oh. Okay, they're both newer than Six. So we got the oldest. Well, I didn't see Parasite. Does that count? Parasite? No. Are you counting? No. 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 Okay, yeah, that was Chris. Uh, Chris G. And then I've always said that um, I've always said that No Country for Old Men could be considered a horror movie just because he moves around like Mike Myers. I mean, he's such a fantastic <laughs> yeah. character. One so what? Yeah, why don't you give him to well, us? Well, one of them is, is super horrifying. I thought Natalie Portman 
Oh, Man Black Swan? Black Swan. Black Swan. Black Swan. Okay. That was considered Black, Black Swan. Great yeah. movie. Great call. Uh, is it a horror movie? Yeah, that, that I th- you know. I that's think a, when that turns, at, after yeah. the turn, that's a horror movie. And then was Alien not nominated for Best Picture? No, it wasn't. No, that's it right. wasn't. The most recent one is is a movie that I didn't think I would love, but we, we watched it together, Kieran and I, during quarantine, 2000 okay, yeah. and... Uh, jo- Jordan Peele, yeah. Get Out. Get, get out. out. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Now, that's oh, a hard movie. That's yeah. the most yeah. recent one. Get Out was one of my yeah. most fun, recent yeah. movie-going experiences. My wife was super sick for, like, two weeks, and, like, she couldn't do anything, and the first day she was feeling like a human being, she's like, let's just go to the movies. I was like, oh, this thing, Get Out, came out on yeah. Friday, and it has 100% IMDb, yeah. 100% Rotten Tomatoes. She's like, oh, that means it's going to suck, and it, we yeah. were both blown away the entire yeah, time. Rotten, no, she walked out and said, I need another week. Rotten Tomatoes' <laughs> top 50 horror movies of all time is number two, yeah. and just to let you guys know, Hereditary and uh, Freaks, top 20. Wow, so there you go. Top 20 there. there you go. Yeah, Get Out, very Twilight Zone-esque. Get I, 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 love, yeah. I love Get Out yeah. so which, much. Which didn't Jordan Peele end up being the Twilight Zone? Yeah, he just did it on uh, CBS. The CB- yes, yeah, yeah, he went on. Yeah. The and he wrote yeah. it and did everything, yeah. Yeah, he yeah, does the, the, the Rod yeah. Yeah. Uh, get, yeah, get Out. All right, well... Uh, we, get, we had a nice little hard detour. These are, uh, these are big picks. Brennan, your three choices again for, to recap. Classic. Uh, one is The Nightmare on Elm Street. Underrated. The Others. And possible Oscar, Blair Witch Project. Nightmare on Elm Street, The Others, The Blair Witch Project. Steve, your three. Classic, Freaks, 1932. Underrated, original, OG Child's Play, 1988. And then um, my pick for Oscar would be Hereditary, 2018. Freaks, Child Play, Hereditary. Great job, Steve. Thanks for the old running. You know, you 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 stunned us all. You you drank uh, you drank your beer, and now you're, now you're one of us. On the turn now, you're now you're one of us. That's one right. of us. Anything uh, to anything <laughs> to part ways before we get back on the uh, back on the the bounty and head back to the the high seas. The no, I would just suggest any of you film lovers uh, out there check out uh, Freaks. Uh, it's a classic. Uh, and anything in black and white, you, especially from 1932, is worth a, a view of you. You're, like you're going to have to start making an early Twitter push yeah. with the BPC. Yeah. <laughs> getting in the yeah, getting you, in. You the need mix. to start laying some groundwork I'll now. Get on there before, before Kieran offends their fan clubs. That's right. Well, thanks for having me, gentlemen. It was a blast. That's awesome, man. Thanks for hopping in. Thanks for being here. Great stuff. We'll have you back again for a, a full episode next time. I'm in. Love it. Love the it. The Midsomar bonus ep. Yeah, man. I'm on. I'm on that. All right, well, we thank Steve for joining us and doing the, the first ever BPC run-in. All right, guys. Now we are headed back to our task at hand here and back to dry land where we have arrived at Tahiti now. And this Ooh, the tone of the movie, fired up. Yeah, the tone of the movie really changes here. And it's kind of the same in all three of the movies, of course. And, yeah, they're all just happy to see women. They're happy to see dry land. They're happy to see a beach. I mean, the, the one guy made me laugh when he's drinking a coconut. He's like, the cows here lay eggs? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, he's never seen a coconut before. Right. But, I, I, you know, we get to Tahiti, but because of the Bly and Christian kind of battle, Christ, you know, everybody else is allowed shore leave except Christian initially. Wow. Now we're on Tahiti, and it's like, oh, everybody else gets to go have fun and do whatever. Christian, you get to hang out here. Yeah, and this is, this is where, having seen all of the versions of... I was starting to get confused in my rewatch of it today where I was like, oh, wait a minute. 
does this happen in the Mel Gibson version or does this happen in the Brando version or does this happen in this one? And then it's for whatever reason, it's the Tahiti part where everything gets very confusing to me with right. that. Especially because the entrance, the only difference between the entrance of the TD in this one and the Bounty is that the women in this one have tops up. Yeah. It's, the, it's pretty much exactly the same. Okay, now, I didn't realize Now, that. we'll, yeah, we'll get, I mean, but that, that's where it's that confusing. has got to be the most nudity that's ever been in a PG movie before. Unbelievable. PG? I, it's PG, in and there is just... It's just boobs. It's just nudity. Yeah, oh. it's, it's, it's flat a, out topless. Yeah, and I guess maybe the fact that it's like, I'm It's unsexual. Yeah. Well, the guys treat, the guys are just, it's, it's uber rapey. But <laughs> well, I mean, it's all over rapey. Yeah, that's true. Well, someone in this one, yeah, yeah. I mean, but, um, there, in this one, there was actually when all the guys were kind of teaming off with the women in the original kind of cut. One of the guys peeled off with a young boy, a young Tahitian boy. Yeah, but that, got cut out. Now that's a bit of a Hollywood myth. It's a that's a it's rumored to have right. been a, a cut thing and uh, a wise cut. But the, the, the right interesting cut. part to me with this is, is like this is right at the end of the pre-code era. And the, the the code, the Hayes Code era starts in 1934. This movie comes out in 1935. So oh, okay, I, guess I thought it was 1935. It, so I was a year off. Okay, yeah, so the production so was probably ahead of it. Production was probably ahead of it, and maybe they let it go because it's MGM and it's a big a big thing, and, and the rules are just starting to and get they into put, place. And the, the amount of money put so into this was also huge. For me and the rest of the viewers who are like me, what what is the, what is that code? Yeah, so the 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 Hayes Code. Essentially, it was put into place in 1934, 1934 to 1935, and it gave a list of rules about what you're allowed to put out in your content and movies or not. For instance, the bad guy has to get his comeuppance. If you do something wrong, you have to, you know, if you murder someone, you have to, the, the plot has to have you pay the price for it. No homosexuality of any sort is allowed right. on screen. No nudity. You can't have like a man and a woman in bed together like that. All that. It was even like toilets. It was a moral. Yeah, like you code. can't. You can't have the flushing of the toilet. Right. Like there's. It's like really like hard censorship. Do we know when this ended? It ends. Oh, it's okay. So the official end is a little bit dicey. As to there's no hard end. It like, starts getting faded out in the, in the early '60s. And the rules just kind of get pushed, and then it's just irrelevant. But the '40s is right. lockdown code era. The fifties, the late fifties, it starts to get a little looser. I think it's officially over in nineteen sixty-five, but okay. by the sixties, they're really not paying much attention. We 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 went into this a little bit in our Rebecca episode too. If you want, Rebecca wanna. and uh, Broadway Melody and Broadway Melody was which was a pre-code movie, right? Yeah, so this is one. I guess it kind of just gets in. This just must have just beat it because there was a couple things in there. Because even when when you know Byam and Christian pair off with the girls, the girls are topless; just their hair covers anything. So even that, you know, you get a little bit of side boob out there. Which... Yeah, but but like a side boob in a year later, you can't do that. That's impossible to do. So well, the funny thing is, everyone has their clothes, and I still have a problem with the relationships that happen. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> well, Brendan, I want to ask you this next because you, when I brought up Tahiti in the beginning of this episode, you started like squirming and making faces. What? Give me your, um, give first, me a little monologue on Tahiti. Sure. So first of all, I was just absolutely bored with all everything that's happening. <laughs> it was. You don't so want to hear a guy call on a powder, powder monkey? Because it, it, seemed, it seemed like this long interlude of, of nonsense. And it was poorly written and poorly put together. So first of all, the chief, and I'm not even sure Tahiti Heeny, Heeny. tribes had chiefs, but the chief convinces the captain to let Fletcher on the island. I don't even know that the chief really had much interaction with Fletcher, as far as the movie went. I mean, 
I guess we're supposed to assume that. Um, well, he just wanted all the men well, to have fun there. Well, the, there is now there is a previous relationship with Tahiti and England and between Bly. Yes, right. Yeah, and so well, basically, Bly is the captain, and and they view all these captains in, in, in high regard and immortal. We learn right. that in, in the later movie. So why is he standing up for Clark Gable? Because, why is the chief standing up for Clark Gable? Because he Gable? wants all the men to have fun on the island. Bly also understands that without making the chief happy, he's not getting bread for Gable falls for his daughter. Well, that's after he's allowed on the island. Yes. Yeah, well, okay. right. Okay. Okay, what I think you're asking is, why was he allowed to get his leave when he initially was Why would the chief stick his neck out to the captain to let Clark... I think what the idea was, the captain decided he wanted to give him a little taste of it, right? And then pull him back. So like he's saying on the ship, okay, that works. And yeah, because he because when he goes back, which I get it. You want me to get a little taste, and you want me to hit you. Is that what you want me to hit you? Yeah. And I think on the chief's end of it, the last time chief saw Bly, Bly was the number two man to Captain Cook. So if the chief's like, all right, if I need good relations, I need to have a good relationship with the number two man now because. In this theory, I'll see he'll be back in this island in 10 years. A great strategy of when you get called back onto the ship, uh, I just, you can't find me. Can't I'm just lost. Me. I'm just, uh, right. I'm hanging on the beach we somewhere. Yeah, we could have, couldn't, did, couldn't the hair, did the hairy mole on the chief's arm drive anybody else bonkers? <laughs> I was really upset. <laughs> I did not it. notice. It, it was the notice. size of a baseball on the back of the wow. man's arm. Oh, I was yeah, really upset. A Carlos Beltran size It was mole. absurd. I was very, I was very bothered. I was, so my other problem with, with the island, um, it's a classic criticism, actually, of Little Mermaid. Because Clark Gable finds finds the chief's daughter, and they actually have this kind of cute relationship. They have no conversation. She doesn't speak his language. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's a, so it's yes. an extremely yes. superficial, <laughs> just extremely superficial relationship. Yeah, that's kind of saying it really nicely. Right. I mean, Talk I think Joey kind of put it, the, it's right. rapey. And, right. <laughs> but, but it is. It's, it's, it's. It's colonial powers coming over. It's rapey. It's power. It's every. It's taking what I want. And but also well, accurate. Now, have to, you considered that with Little Mermaid too? As she gets on land, meets. Oh, a man, I have a lot of issues with. I have a lot of issues with. I have a little. My complaints about Little Mermaid are. But you love the you love the mermaid relationship in the lighthouse, I guess. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I don't even know the lighthouse. Yeah, so I don't. I, I feel really. I think you're uncultured in uncultured right now. I think you're in a good place by not knowing the lighthouse. It is very accurate to the times, though. right? And it's honestly, probably stuff. even a little dressed up and Hollywoody for. It's uh, probably less rapey than the real. That they're not going and courting. Yeah, they're going I mean, and taking. Yeah, he's okay. the highest man on the island. Now, on the flip side of that, there is probably a little allure. From the ships coming sure. in, and it's different. It's you different. Know, as, as different as the girls are to the men, right. the men are a little these different. These British to, guys to are to exotic the to these yeah, women. Not. I picked up on this. Am I was I overreading this, or was this just they kind of slid this in there? Is he gets her pregnant? Pretty yes, much? pregnant. Yeah, because he says, you know, your grandson right will be here. Like, yeah. to the chief, when they're saying their goodbyes, he kind of yeah. says he kind of throws it out there very oh, subtly. And then yeah. you know, that I might, didn't notice that until the until I, I watched it that. a second time this week. When we when we go back after the mutiny and there was a baby, I was There's like, baby. I yeah. was like, wait a minute. So then I went back and watched that. Then I caught the grandson piece. Oh, so the baby was from the first visit. Yeah, yeah. and the real life Kristen Fletcher has three kids. With her, with yeah, um, and his, and yeah, his he basically we don't know what happened to him, but his descendants still live on that. Island. Yes, do they know that? Yeah. Oh, in real life, they've drawn, oh, yeah. they've drawn the descendants. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. No. His like his son and two daughters are documented yeah. people. Like, oh yeah, yeah. No. This it's very well documented. What happened to him? Because you know, did he get killed on the island? And there's also a lot of rumors that he made it back to England. His his son's name is October Wednesday Christian. 
really went in the he was born uh, he was born on a, a Wednesday in October and he didn't want the name to be tied to any English names whatsoever so yeah. his name is October Wednesday and so started the Christian. <laughs> the Christian line in yeah. you know this Picantine Island I do want to say that I have very little to say about the Tahiti scenes I, 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 they're I, just I had trouble yeah they're they they do sort of they are a little more interesting the second and third views when you know the whole story and you're you know you you've you've gotten your fix of the boat and everything that you can kind of pick in scenes and there's some dialogue things that are okay like the lifestyle the, I don't the lifestyle montage is funny when they're like yeah. cooking a pig and cutting the fish yeah, like that's funny but it's fine it's not it's not bad it's just not super interesting when the, when the other stuff is very fast paced very uh hard cut right one after another they're they're putting the action in your face there's also no real conflict it's we're kind of in this I- idyllic island, just kind of enjoying it. The conflict's off screen. There you, there, there you go. Screen. As you said, it's, right. it's the ideality of it, right? And that there, therein lies the conflict. Exactly. Why am I going back on that ship? And why am I going back to England? Actually, you know, right. like I, I'm fine here. Like right. I'm a but that's dude. kind of built in. You, you know, know I, you don't really see that till he says, "Oh, you can't find me." That's when you first really see where it's like, "No, this is where this is better than reality." Yeah, and what and what it becomes. Well, there's you use the key word there. Reality, right? And this is a man who does not want to deal with reality. Exactly. He wants to deal with fantasy, right? And this is a fantasy island, and it's right him. in front of him. It's, yes. it's whatever you want. And he says, he goes, no money, nothing. This is where I belong. Yeah. No belongings, no money. This is where I belong. And one of the problems is the entire trip to Tahiti. He's been dealing with his emotions versus his respect for the British order or the Royal Navy order, and now he's in fantasy land. Now he's gotten a taste of what British order, what it's like when British order is Isn't not there. there. Yeah, right. Yeah, um, you're also dealing with untrained soldiers who now just kind of get into the realm of this is what like the order and structure of British military life is. Now we're off it. Now this is looser. Now to go back to it again is just, and that's where he loses it. And that's the huge difference between Byman and Fletcher is that Byman can go forward. Byman, Byman's been. Been doing it. Fletcher, he can't do it. He can't handle it. I I feel, and people might disagree, I feel like he uses his original disdain for what the captain was doing to get what he wanted. And what he wanted was to go back to Paradise Island. Yeah. Yeah, and and I think that that's kind of done... Even better in the Gibson version, hundred percent. Yeah, where yeah. they, they kind of you you can kind of see him losing his grasp with society. He's just, yeah, and he's like, uh, he's getting, uh, when he's getting the tattoos and he, and with the the jacket scene at dinner, I think is really when he can't put on the jacket because yeah, the tattoos. And I are, love, and we, we keep going back to the bounty. It's hard not to because it's it's, it's 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 relevant. It's an interesting I scene, by the way. Well, which is no yeah. So that, yeah. Brennan's there with the listeners of that, but if they haven't seen it, when Hopkins has the conversation with Gibson about. Is this love with this girl? What are you? Are you going to bring her back Great to scene, England? Right. Are you going to bring her back to England? How's that going to go? She's not real. What you have with her isn't real. All right, you're over here and you're telling yourself it's real. You have to get back in the boat. And you have to rejoin. That's my the favorite world. scene yeah. of the Bounty's Island, uh, Tahiti Island part. Yeah. I think and the, that's and so well. The Bounty does the island better in 100%. general. The, but the, that's my favorite scene. Yeah, the the chief is is much more palpable and grounded. He's and, a real person. And I think they're all authentic actors from Tahiti too. Yes. They're all they're authentic people. So they that's nice that they get to, to do that too. Well that was that was a problem too in the thirty five for I mean uh, this is one of these <laughs> things with the times. It's like yes. you know it, you just it, eat it, it is what it is. Yeah you yeah. can't 
you can't cast... I mean, when people do in 2020, that's regrettable, but you can't cast every single nationality perfectly sure. back then. One of my favorite movies of all time is Lawrence of Arabia, mm-hmm. and people always scream and yell, well, they don't, they don't have real Arab actors in, in this spot. They're having English people do it. Right. And it's like, all right, well, no, okay, but they, so they got a Greek guy to play. It's, it's a different time. People just need to relax and just enjoy the movie. Yes. We, we all need yes. to just shut up. <laughs> I think they tried initially to make Biom interesting on the island. With the girl. It kind of works for a second. Like, when he yells at the girl, what does he say? He goes, you little powder monkey, I'll spank your little starbird when he was making his... Yeah. Like, that was really stupid, uh, and at that point I lost it. But up until that point, when he was making it, when he was making the dictionary, and he was learning the language, like him learning the language and integrating with the chief, I was like, okay, I could get behind this. Yeah, that was a nice little plot device they had in there, too. It breaks up that how are they communicating with each other Right, question. exactly. And, and, you know, so if I'm nitpicking, well, how are they really talking? It's like, well, this guy's figuring out the language so, and he's finding ways to, to communicate. But with the after that point, when they kind of start dating these two girls, I think that all falls apart. Summertime's over, and it's time to, to head back. And we get the deserters. We get the deserters. The three deserters who, you know, who are like, yeah, we're not going back in the boat. We're going to stay here. And they get caught instantly. Which Just terrible deserters. Yeah, I mean, come on, you got a whole island. You can't find a cave to hide in for a couple right. days, you know? Like, what? Like, just disappear. Yeah, we find out later that there's a lot of English ships coming into the spot, so you're not going to be able right. to just set up camp. But at least exactly make more of it. Don't let the, the same English ship get you. Yeah. <laughs> right, exactly. Like, let, let's at least get the next one. The Cook Smith running away from the woman with the kids, then leaving, then crying with the kids. I thought that yeah. was funny. So that character, let's talk about that. Like, Scared he, of everything. Just weird sort of scenes that they interject with, like, comedic... Yeah. He, every, like, he has the bucket where he's... Okay. He, he went, goes... When he throws the it in the wind, and, the and then thing. he just saves all the water. <laughs> and he looks around and runs away. He doesn't get flogged. Everyone else on the boat's getting flogged. He doesn't get flogged. And I'm not sure how that works out. He's yeah, the cook. The, you, don't the, mess with the, you don't mess with the guy who touches your food. The mess man. Yeah. Right, the mess man. He's going to come up a little later. Okay. Yeah. I, I believe. But we're back on the boat, and now between the cheese and the punishing the shark fishermen. We didn't talk about the shark fishermen. Yep. Another, we got more shark references here coming up. Uh, yeah. Brandon. So this is a great, I think, I think actually, um, special effects wise, this is a great scene. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, thought, they, I yeah. thought they shot that scene. I thought it was a really too. cool scene. I just yeah. love the, the little conversation about, do we sacrifice this crappy food right. for this, the way better food? We might it? get nothing. But. Was, well, they were like, it's a pork roll for six of us, so yeah, let's yeah. go for it. <laughs> right. Right. And Dr. Backus's line, he goes, what's a flogging? A few blows and a few woes, then you put on your shirt. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, these guys catching a shark with that little hook, I was, I was damn impressed. Now, what I never got out of the movie, did they get to eat the fish? I, yeah, they did. Just the one guy who caught it didn't because he... Right. He got in trouble. The head. Yeah, right. he got flogged. Yeah. But the rest ate it. The rest, the rest got to. Yeah. Okay. So the guard talks to the gardener who says, we have too much breadfruit, not enough water to make it that far. He goes, oh, yes, we do. We're oh, going to cut the yes, rations. Yes. So the water... Me and Joey watched The Simpsons <laughs> this today. Simpsons did a little... Uh, little the wettest stories spoof. ever told. Yeah, the little 10-minute ten, ten spoof. Yeah. Uh, season 17, the I'm wettest so story ever told. It was the second story... Yeah, and uh, and um, what is what is Prince Principal Skinner, Skinner plays Bly and Bart plays he, Christian? But yeah, what, he goes, okay. what does he say? In an effort to ration our water, you will no longer be getting any. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> right. So this is yeah, this is kind of we're gonna get the water to the plants and cut it from the men here. And this is when Christ, you know, Christian tells Bly like, I know you're trying to get me to hit you. I'm not gonna do that. Like, there's a lot going on. The rash of the water, Ellison being terrible, trying to sneak a pig on. Like, there's a lot of different Yeah, oh, things. God, they steal the guy's poor, poor, 
pet pig and turn him into uh Well, it was probably a nice, you know, food. these guys complaining about food, and now there's a little pig that thing yeah. probably was a nice little dinner. True. So they should shut up. Babe wouldn't like that uh, end of it, but... Would not. No. And then when Bacchus, you know, when they call everyone, to, Bly calls everyone to deck, and Bacchus is that, the doctor's down, and they, and... Christian says, hey, he can't come up, and then even Bynum's like, no, no, he can't come up. Bly makes him come up, and then he dies. Mm. That's, you know... Oh, the, yeah, the, the, the peg-like... Uh, yeah, yeah, the, when peg the surgeon, surgeon goes. Yeah, this is when things start getting real dark, and then... Yeah, now, I, let me ask this, though. Is that really Bly's fault? I mean, this man has been aggressively abusing alcohol this entire movie. Well, I mean, he, climbing up a, pl- a flight of stairs is not kill. Is the, he is dead already. If, he, if that's going to kill him, he's dead already. Well, Let's he, be honest. You know, it, it's, it's, he's going to lay in bed and last another 24 hours? I mean, come have on. You, have, have you ever done the accountability drill? The accountability exercise is called the bridge. <laughs> okay. It's a story about... Very briefly, it's, it, it's Guy and his girlfriend. King comes, takes the girlfriend to the castle, gives her whatever she wants, but says, you can't leave the castle. King goes out of town... She leaves the castle. She goes see the ex-boyfriend. They have sex. Um, because they were supposed to get married, whatever. Blah, 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 blah. She sees her family. Stays overnight. Then she goes back to the castle. Protecting the castle is a wild man swinging an axe. She gets killed. And then the question really becomes, who killed her? Whose fault is it that she died? Is it the king's for taking her? Is it the wild man for hitting her with the axe? Is it hers for leaving? Oh, but, but, and also... Is it the boyfriend's is for it the boyfriend for Because she oh, also, man. she goes to the boyfriend set, because there's a boat, there's a boatman to take her over the moat, but she doesn't have money. She goes to the boyfriend and her fa- and boy, for money. The boyfriend goes, well, you chose this. I'm not now giving you what I don't have for you to get back. And the whole thing is about accountability. Like, who's most accountable for death? And you rank them. And it's sort of like that yeah. whole thing. Like, was drinking nothing but rum for 50 years <laughs> the yeah. fault? Like, but forcing the man to climb up a flight of stairs right. didn't kill him. When he was sick, if he has a heart disorder, it may have. Yeah. And maybe the Older sun. Guy. We don't know if he's allergic to the sun like in the other others. <laughs> <laughs> we don't see him above board very often. <laughs> yeah, okay. That's true. He is usually down there. I think oh, when we oh. need him, he's swinging in that whole bushel of Oh, water. that's right. He is swinging in. The, he does come up in a rum delivery. <laughs> yeah, rum, rum net. Which is fantastic. Rum ham. I wonder if there's a rum <laughs> ham. A rum ham. They can make a nice rum ham with that pet they pig. They can make a so, nice rum ham. I was going to forego my opinion on your ethical uh, oh, challenge you're, you're stuck but, on the bridge But now. the guy who killed who killed the girl was the guy with the axe. Of course. The it's the I wild mean, man. That's, that's the guy who's, who's 100%. responsible. That's the guy who's liable. 100%. No one else has any... 100%. Um, but now, funny, funny thing. So I do this in my domestic violence classes with men who have abused their wives, and they will ninety percent of the time all blame the woman. Yeah. So let's let's talk mutiny scene now. Let's mutiny scene. This is my favorite scene in the movie from this point on until him leaving on the boat is my favorite. Let's let's talk about how this scene is shot a little bit because it's this is the most different scene in the movie yes. as far as cinematography goes. It's yeah. that's why it's my favorite. It's it's the only real true action scene mm-hmm. in the movie. It's very interesting to see how they went about it in 1935. This is the scene where I looked at it and I went, hmm, I do like the cinematography in this movie. And it's not perfect. You know, it's a little it's a little hard cut and I a like lot the hard cut. I I did yeah. too, but I think that you could watch it and maybe say that you didn't like it because I there, I think I think if you put it against that first scene where they're leaving, all the way in the beginning when they're leaving Portsmouth, 
and it's that old school that instead of having guys move fast, they just speed up the film. And I like I don't I don't enjoy that. So now oh, here, man. where it's these like hard cuts of different yeah. things, that got me. I was in the, on the, I was the, in shot, on the whole the, thing. The upward shot yep. of the guy coming down the cargo net. Yeah, for the fight, like the I that the the close ups of the fight and the pull away scenes in the fight, like that whole thing got me. It felt frantic. Which if you're on a ship, I have no experience with this. But if you're calling a mutiny, which especially in the Royal Navy is you, you just don't do. Um, yeah, you know that's frantic, and that has to be the most frantic thing. Because the order of everything, your survival is this ninety-five foot boat, and now it's just completely taken over. What yeah. that must feel like, and I feel like it really, I, I feel like they hit that. I think they missed two things on it. Okay, two big things. One, it's the mutiny on the bounty. It lasted about two minutes, so everything built up to this, and it was it was way too short. I feel like. How uh, long do you think something like that lasts in real life, though? I think in real life, I think the captain is is holding out in his quarters, and and it takes him a while to get in. I think the longer he holds out, the less likely it is to win. But if you truly blindsided him, though, he might not have the opportunity to... So, right. I think something like that actually happens way faster than you think. Yeah. It would. Uh, Especially if one side's super prepared and the other side completely blindsided. Well, it was an ambush. Which brings me to my second second criticism is that it wasn't clearly distinct who the sides were. I mean, and, and one of the things is, I up until the up until the mutiny, it it almost seemed like everyone was against the captain. I didn't realize the captain yeah. actually had supporters. That's, that's a good point, but I think, and and that could be confusing to the viewer. But there is a fog of war that I think they captured yeah. where it was a chaotic scene because it was a chaotic moment in, in sure. reality. You know? Taking so over the ship. Who, who's on what side? And honestly, you know, is it clear? Yeah, right? what, what, and I think a lot of it, because the fact that still five, six guys who were loyal to the captain ended up on the bounty still, it's so chaotic, they don't even know where they belong in all you know, this chaos. Right, they yeah. haven't even considered, do I go on the life ship or do I stay right. on the bounty? Yeah, it's I not a dodgeball game where there's a line in the middle right. of the court and you know who's with you and you know who's against you. It, it, is, a, it is, it's a fog of war chaos. Right. Except at the same time, I think, I think politics would have, been, would have been somewhere derived that you know pretty much who's on your team. I mean, that was portrayed a little bit. They had on, the core guys. On, right, on Fletcher's side, you know who's on his side. Yeah, but yeah. on the captain's side, you don't really know who's on the side. Yeah, you, you kind of find that out who's coming with me, who's not. And could have developed more more people who are just really hardcore captain. But he's they doing the right even, thing. He's keeping the ship moving, you know. And, and but were they hardcore captain Bly support? Morrison was, but were they hardcore captain Bly supporters or just were they, right? Or they just this is what my job is, and I am loyal to that no yeah. matter what. Yeah, and, and I think ultimately that becomes the 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 major quandary. For, Bynum. for Bynum's character, yeah. and I like I liked how like the mutiny happens and they're attacking all these guys with weapons and all of a sudden it's like it's getting pretty violent for guys who yeah. were just on the same side. And then at the end, Clark Gable goes, "Don't worry, everyone will have a choice." It's like, well, what about the guy's brains you just bashed in? He didn't have much of a choice. He was just doing a crossword puzzle and you smacked him over the head with your bayonet. And Christian says, "It's my ship," and then. Well, uh, Bly goes, your ship, your ship, you mean the king's ship. The you king's know? ship, yes. Well, this is such a great moment. Mm. I mean, this, this is what mm. really took me mm. back. Yeah. And because it really, it, it accentuates the fact that they're all a part of the country, yet they're on a ship in the middle of the ocean where they have no contact with the rest of the world. Mm-hmm. They almost become their own nation. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Which was a lot of the trouble in creating what are the laws on a ship that's going across the sea. 
and their laws on the ship are different from the laws in the nation. Mm -hmm. And that's why um, the captain has such strong power on it because somebody needs to keep order because of it. Right. right? Yeah, which makes it so easy for the captain to lose the sight of this isn't right. his ship. Yeah, and this is the moment that everyone's been waiting to see. You know, for all right. the all the evil antics that... The that, heel. Yeah, all these evil antics that Bly has done up to this point. This is where... Everyone, if you know, if if you weren't digging this movie and you were playing with your phone boy, now you put the phone down. You're like, oh, what's what's going on over mm -hmm. here? He's captured now. There's like now he's got to answer to this. It's like when that middle manager gets fired, the abusive middle manager <laughs> in an office gets fired. All the tech guys start to peer their eyes over their cubicle, like, oh, this is interesting. I'll watch this. Yeah, but at the same time, you see Fletcher sitting there saying, oh shit, now I gotta run the show. Yeah, and and, and this is Clark Gable's best moment. Best acting moment of the movie. Yeah, He's, he him having to to playing having to, yeah having to harness the chaos and having to well, also keep not the, Bly the radical yeah keep right. the radical guys on his side at bay to keep Blaze Bly safe but still you know enact his punishment supporters not have them get hurt like there's a lot going on a lot it? going on and it could be easily botched for an actor oh, and yeah. he he Gable. Gable and brought Gable. out his Hall of Fame ring on this Both one. Both of them. Gable does it, but but for the actual character, this is crisis. Oh yeah. This oh, is yeah. a crisis. This is now I'm the captain. <laughs> yeah. And how do I how do I control these guys? I, I'm controlling rebels. Yeah. What right. do I do here? Right. It's like you start a relationship with cheating and then expect no one cheating, right? Right. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Which right. becomes yeah. Which we, like, and 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 Bly ultimately says to him, I can't remember which version this was in, but he goes. Good luck, good luck running the ship now. I right. think it's in the Hopkins it's version. The Hopkins yeah. no, good. no, well, there's a comment like that in the, in yeah. the original. But he, yes. my, my favorite quote of the movie, though, is when Bly and his 18 guys are on the little dinghy. And he says, you leave me 3,500 miles from any port of call. You think you are doing me. You're wrong, Christian. I'll live to see you, all of you, hanging from the British fleet. Yeah, and... Unbelievable. And great, Unbelievable. and this is the transformation... Of the Bly character, yep. where he turns his his pure evil into Focused. pure determination, right. and he goes, He's "I am going <laughs> to get to land in this crappy little boat. I'm going to do it, and I will see you hanging when I get there." And it and I love the Bly and the rowboat, the little I sailboat scenes. Love that. So love those scenes. I using, wish there were more of them. Using his um, daily notes as the key markers, I thought I really like that. I, 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 yeah. I love that whole it, thing. Fantastic. Yeah. And so, Brennan, so you know, I don't know how much of this you know as we're getting into the real history, too, is, now, he really did that journey. Right. And um, what was it, yeah. 1,800 miles? Uh, yeah, a little bit yeah, more. Well, it was well, they had 36, I think. It was sixty. It was sixty-five hundred sea miles. Yes. Like, it, this oh, yeah. was, yeah. This it, is like an all-time... So, sixty-five hundred. Yeah, all right, okay. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. We'll get the, we'll get the number. Let we'll get the official number. But right, it was an impossible journey. He had to go in, in with, with, they gave him, they gave him uh, coordinates, they gave him a compass, they gave him... I don't even think they gave him coordinates. Well, in, in real life. They oh, gave him, life. Yeah, yeah, they gave, they gave him, him a map. They gave him coordinates, they gave him rations, yep. so they got Compassing some food and water rations, right. so they gave him a little bit, so they gave him enough to technically survive, put him in the middle of the, of the ocean. The open water. No, no and you, nothing. Now there's a, ver this is, uh, I, I, I don't highly recommend, but I recommend anyone who's interested in what we're discussing right now. There's a, a series on Amazon Prime it's called Mutiny. And it's five episodes. Nine actual British sailors decide to take part in Bly's journey. 
and do it. And it's a reality show. Oh, so it's, it's a reality show. It's a real life, real life thing. And it's only five of them. They don't have to keep 30 of them alive. It's nine of them. It's nine of them in the same size boat. And they're using the same rations, okay. the type of food that they would have ate, yeah. and the same tools that he would have had, and the same technology. So the, and it's the nine of them, and there's a captain, and he has to navigate his way through. And there's a little motorboat. Well, well yeah, there's a safety, there is a safety Well, it's a reality. Yeah. Okay, okay so, so Bly, in real life and in here, Bly, <laughs> an open water voyage of more than 3,500 nautical miles, which is 4,000 miles... Okay. To reach safety. 4,000 miles to safety. I mean, all time. Now, he has to... He, he lands the boat a few times. And this is 50 okay. days he does this. Yeah, through, or 50 days, yeah. So he lands the boat yes. a few... A season of Survivor is 39 days, just if you want, if you want to put it in terms of that. 50 days but, is a long time. Yeah, 50 days is a long-ass time. So... And it's a crowded, crowded little boat. Yeah, 18 men on that boat is... <sighs> yeah. So he, he lands a couple times. And there's the scene... In the in, bounty, in the bounty right where he lands, and there's the hostile natives, yes. and one of his men die. That right. actually happened. After fact, yes. And then he, he lands a couple more times. They left that out of, of the movie. Yeah. But he kept a journal the entire time, mm. and the journal survived the trip, and is what this whole story is based on. Yeah. And so they have this actual. So the scene of them catching the bird mm. actually happens. Yeah, yeah the okay. seagull actually yeah, happens. Yeah, and yeah. really, everything, and it shows in, in the 1935 version, it shows him writing. His notes. And those are actual passages from yeah. the real life, which journey. I thought was super cool. And just to just to, to put put the bow on the Amazon Prime show, Mutiny. They kind of they read the journal as they go, and they match their days and their journey and what oh, they see. Cool. And they were stunned to see like passages in it and seeing the same things that he saw. And it's like, wow, this is hundreds of years ago. We're doing the same journey at the same pace, and the experience was chillingly similar. Uh, now, listen, the show's a little cheesy. They're, they play up some stuff, you know, like, sure. kick this guy off the boat or this, but, you know, like, there's there's a little bit of... Well, you need some, some drama. drama. Yeah, there's yeah. contrived drama in there and stuff. So it's, you know, around episode four, you're going to start rolling your eyes. But it's uh, an unbelievably impressive feat, it's, what it, he did. It's a very interesting show, and if you got nothing to watch and you're just on a lazy day and you want to check it out and you're into, like, reality survival type of shows, it's it's a cool thing. But Ant Middleton is the guy. He's on a couple of reality shows, a British okay. Uh, British kind of um, Bear Grylls type of character. Oh, really? Okay. But the importance of this whole sequence of, of scenes is is that throughout the whole movie, everyone's saying, oh, Blythe, what a, what a great seafarer. What a great sailor. You really get to see it here. Is that yeah, no, now he has to now he has to show his, yeah. show his bones out there. But I mean, yeah. even he and says really when he's going away, he's like, I'm going to do this. Like, I'm going to, I will put make sure you go yeah. down. Yeah, don't yeah. threaten me with a good time. <laughs> <laughs> the most, like, awe-inspiring part of this whole story of the mutiny on the bounty is Bly's journey in that rescue boat. Oh, yeah. That's, I mean, the end... He right. gets, and I think one of the criticisms of this movie, or one of the unfortunate parts of this movie, is that this movie really paints the real-life William Bly as this horrible villain. Right. When there was much, many more shades of gray going on. I mean, mm -hmm. this it was, a, it was an unsanctioned mutiny. Right. And they were not, in real life, not necessarily impressed at thieves and prisoners and guys hanging out at the pub. Like, they were actual members of right. the British Navy, so they were, yeah. they were sworn... Yeah, they, 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 they were and rules. They yeah, so. But like in the, in in real life, like Ellison was really a fifteen year old kid who had been who had joined the navy when he was twelve. Yeah, like you know, so those things. So these were guys who had been in there for years doing things, and um, and Byam is, is supposed to be seventeen, I think. Yeah, Byam. Yeah. yeah, but I mean, and, 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 Byam is supposed to be 17? yeah, 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 supposed to be seventeen. Yeah, and Absolutely. this is where he tells Christian that the worst part about it all is 
that they could no longer be friends. Right. Yeah, I like <laughs> that line. Me I like that line. It was a nice little bro moment, you know. It, <laughs> little, but like the it bro showed, falling like, out. Because you know, this was his mentor. They yeah. became, you know, his mentor on the first journey. They become friends on the island. This goes into the complexity of all the characters. Yes, and Byam now gets put in that weird spot where there's no room for him on the boat. Right. He's wanted. He wants to plead his uh, allegiance to the to the British Navy, and because his family is right, seventh generation. Yeah, right. Yeah. He's got he's got a name to to withhold, and he is now put in this spot where now the real kind of, the wheels start turning as to way where is, what's right and what is wrong here. Yeah. They're going to head back to the, the island and realize that, like, we can't really stay here, guys. Like, they think they can. They stay for like, a year. They don't, I think they do a really bad job of t- telling time here. Because now we just, it's Christmas in Portsmouth, and then we're in Tahiti and it's Christmas. All the guys have cut their ponytails off. Yeah. And then Christian and Fletcher become friends again. It's a year later. Yeah, right. And it's like, it's also, it's kind of like that, that, your buddy that you haven't seen in a while right. comes to visit. It's like, oh, bro, great to see you. Right. Awesome. Love it. Yeah, bro, no, you have a great time. He leaves. He goes. No, and then the a month out, month yeah. later, he comes back. And it's like, oh, uh, what's up, man? <laughs> you're, you're back. Huh. But Christian has been Okay. How long are you staying? A year? Ooh. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Right. It's not uh, I guess the guest room's open, but uh, sure. But what? Where was Byam for the year? Yeah, because a lost that, time. Fletcher, because Fletcher and the rest of the guys are like you see like their huts. You see them with like their families. Ellison's doing weird jigs or and or crying at the same time at different times. Where's Byam been for a year? So would so did Byam stay behind? That's what I didn't get either. Did Byam stay behind on the island or he was? He was with he was with the mutiny. He stayed with yeah, the mutiny. On, and he yeah, went on the island with the boat. Them, but so he we, so he well when you said that. When he has that moment where he's like, you know, I'm just disappointed we can't be friends anymore. But still he says to you, he goes, just let you know you're not going to be treated like a prisoner. Right. He's like, you're, I know you're not one of us. And when right. when we when we get to right. England, right. it will be known that you weren't with us. Right. But because of our, you know. Right. Our because of, yeah, yeah, we're relationship, I'm not going to treat you like point. a prisoner. Yeah. Okay. And but then, where was he for a year? <laughs> yeah, but Did, then he is. But we're not friends anymore. Right. We'll but never, then never be a year ago, they're friends again because okay. I assume, so maybe so because that all that. But so then I guess for the year he just let him go to his own side of the island, mm-hmm. and then uh, it's Christmas time, so they reunite. But they yeah, now you brought up that Christmas scene, Joe, and I really like the Christmas scene, and it's a contender for my scene cool. of the movie because there's last week we discussed Argo, and there's a mo- moment in Argo where they merge three separate parts of the country with what's going on. They show the guys back in the... It's the CIA scrambling around, and then they show the the captors, and then they show uh, the script line reading for the fake Hollywood movie they're right. putting together. And it's all going on at once, and they they have a song playing, and they put it, they put it together. And it's a very cool shot. This reminded me of that a week later when we're right. doing this, where it's showing Christmas time in England, and it's showing Christmas time in the islands, and they're all singing "God Bless You, Merry, Merry Gentlemen." I think is what this. Yeah, is. I think so. I didn't uh, write it down, but yeah, yeah. Oh, that's the one. Yeah, and it's just I thought a, a real, real cool scene. Bly has has gotten his little boat back, and again, uh, there could have been a, its own movie in just Bly's journey. I would watch that itself. movie. Yeah, yeah, and he gets he finds his way to Australia. I think he lands yeah. in you know, right or New Zealand's one of the two. He's going to get Fletcher Christian. He, he is, like, <laughs> is hyper focused on Fletcher Christian and hanging yeah. from the ship. They're chilling on the beach and like, ah, I don't like the looks of that ship headed and over here. Comes, we gotta, we gotta get it. This is the moment now where these guys gotta choose. Right. Do I stay or do I go? 
You know, and... And we're bringing Tahitian men and women and kids with us. We're bringing families with us. Smith's bringing, like, 37 people with him on this ship. Well, they have to start <laughs> well, a new life on, the, right? on this island. Well, that's a problem, too, where I feel like the chief was like, wait, what the fuck? Yeah, oh, yeah. So you're taking half of my village? The bounty... <laughs> I know we keep doing it. The bounty does this does really better, well. Yeah. Where there's actually well, the, the chief is is he's an actual character. Is, yeah, he's great. Yeah, he's the, great in the bounty. The chief's yeah. very impressive in yeah, the bounty. A very emotional moment of his losing his daughter and breaking yeah. down in tears. He's very and, stoic. Chief is hysterical. They do crying. not portray in in the original. The uh, the island the. The, the islanders island don't get a character. The island natives are not are not they don't portrayed. Get a voice. They don't really get which is very fitting in 1787. So, yeah. <laughs> but the bounty does a good job of showing it. Where he's in, in, in the in the bounty, he says, "You can't stay here. I yeah, well, I have will. peace with." The uh, British, yeah, powers. right. They're gonna they're gonna blame me, right? I'm not housing him. Oh, yeah, he's much said, more explicit. It, him, he's been married to the daughter, so it's like, yeah. oh well, I want her. She should make her own decisions. She chooses to yeah. go, and the chief breaks down. It's a really great scene that cool. kind of gets glossed so, over here a bit. So while we're we're talking Islanders, an interesting, not the New York Islanders who hopefully will they're be fantastic. Be, by they've the way. been playing great, and hopefully we'll be advancing to the Eastern Conference Finals. Yeah, we, we hope. Ugh. Uh, <laughs> First professional sports so, team to finish the season in 2020. I guess there's something. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Ranger bashing. I love it. Okay, so Clark Gable's love interest in this. Mm-hmm. The actress's name is Movita. Right. She goes on to marry Marlon Brando. Oh, so wow. you get yes, you get some some Fletcher Christian ties from. She just loves Fletcher section. Christian. I yeah, mean, yeah. You know who I, I really appreciated by him here when um. Christian and everyone and Team Christian is getting back on the boat to take off and Byam's like oh I'm gonna stay because you know they're cool with me I didn't do anything wrong like he's so optimistic that he's not realizing that without Christian and the other guys saying like no 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 these guys were on board with you yeah that he's that they're fucked yeah you don't have anyone to distinguish the difference between right you are just you're with Christian you just you must have mutineered from Christian now now you know while we're talking well since we've talked about horror movies in this one of my favorite horror movies is Scream. Oh, and great one. And it's a scene where uh, Matthew Lillard and... Uh, uh, what's the other guy? Oh, um, Jamie Kennedy. Jamie Kennedy Jamie or Randy. Randy. Randy's right, so Matthew Lillard and Jamie Kennedy are both fighting. No, he's the killer. No, he's the killer. And Nev Campbell just says, fuck you both. Yeah, right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 Fly has... Yeah, he's, he's he back on the boat. He's a madman. He is... Hyper focused on one thing. Oh yes, and it, yeah, he's I love it in. so much. And the fact that by him, I mean, you should have known this guy well enough that he, right. he, he, he nah, throw him in chains down in the bottom. That's it. You're like you're all look, guilty. The look on yeah. his face is like a kid you gave a Christmas present to. Let him open it. He really liked it. Then you took it away. Yeah, that, yeah. That, <laughs> yeah, you weren't. And the scene too, when so the ship's about to sink, the yeah. captain saves him, and he says, "Thank you so much for saving me." He's yeah. like, "Oh, I'll never let you die." Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> you're gonna see trial in right, court. Yeah, right? Yeah. Well, because after he hits the coral reef and everything's going down, he, I'm like, he crashes another boat <laughs> just to try to get to him. It's like, jeez. Yeah. I mean, it's, a, it's such a Captain Ahab focus moment. Of, uh, like, yeah. I don't care. Actually, I will take down as many of the king's ships as I can. To get to what I want. Actually, very reminiscent of Captain Ahab is he's just so fixated. On Nothing else matters. Yeah. Team Gable here on the boat headed to the island. Now, so this, so what they're essentially doing here is they're, I don't know how clear they made it in the, in the 35 version, but Not there's, very. there's an island that is mislocated on British maps. Oh. So it's, and, and, and they Gable, only have one coordinate. They don't yeah, have a call. Fletcher Christian knows of this. He knows, yeah. like, he knows that this is a thing. And he's got an idea of where it's it is. The Pitcairn Island. Yeah, the Pitcairn Island. So he knows it's a deserted island. The British don't know about it. 
they know it exists, but they don't have it existing right. in the right it's coordinates. Fun. So that's why they're kind of struggling to find it. They, right. they, but, they ultimately find it. And this is it. where it's called a ghost ship. I really enjoyed the ghost ship piece. Then oh, it's just yeah. kind of floating, looking for something that may or may not exist with these people that they've stolen from Tahiti. Yeah. And, well, and actually in the movie, his own crew calls it, we can't keep riding on this ghost ship. Yeah. yeah. I and, love that uh, part when they call right. it the ghost ship. And, and really we, talked to, we talked about this being... Uh, not the smoothest filming process for this movie. At one point during the movie, the actual bounty, which is a replica of the bounty, which is a real ship that they sailed, gets detached from the docks and gets lost for two days yeah. in the ocean with two crew members on. <laughs> two cameramen who were just like taking a piss. Like, uh, it's like, oh, I left my jacket on the bounty. Let me just get a... They're in open water. Like, oh my God. I've never sailed in their life. Yeah, no, one, no. now one of them has to be blind. One of them has to be the Christian. Which one are you? Yeah. Yeah, so they thankfully they found it two days. I could have gotten... Uh, and there was a death on set too. I think a boat yeah. capsized and a cameraman... A uh, cameraman did, did and... Uh, like a light guy. Yeah, there was yeah there was uh, fifty people on a capsized boat and yeah. one of them passed away. I feel like that used to happen a lot more than than does. Oh, I hope it happens less and less as the years <laughs> go on. You'd hope, you know. Ben, uh, ben Hur is another one. Well, that's ben on our list. We'll get I mean, to cover that movie eventually. But yeah, there's, there's, there's we talked about sound music. A kid almost a kid almost got killed on uh, sound of music. Lisa yeah, almost well, got yeah, drowned. Yeah. yeah, but I mean, there were, it was somewhat recently um, on one of the. Some action movie recently, one of the stunt women lost her hand, a stunt man died. Like, it happens yeah, here and there. Guess, yeah. you know, just, somehow, yeah, and now there's insurance. Before yeah, that, and that's why, Bre- you know, Brad Pitt brought this up in his Oscar speech, is that there really should be an Oscar for stunt 100%. workers. Ooh, and it's ridiculous that there isn't at yeah. this point. So, the boat capsizes, right? Mm-hmm. How, how do they get to Portsmouth? Yeah. Uh, were they There's close enough to... Yeah, like, Brennan, you mentioned it, I don't know, I think you might have mentioned it off air, is that you felt like the... And the third act was the rushed. The end is so rushed. It's, yeah. Yeah, and like, I brought it up earlier, they start going to the, the shot where it explains where they are and where they went. Mm-hmm. You know, what, what happened in history. It seems almost like they're just rushing through, let's get to the trial, let's get to the trial. Yeah, and, and then the trial, they, they do a nice job of living in that. And, yeah. and there's some no. good scenes there. Once they get there, Everyone is yeah, great except out. Ellison. I, I will say, though, the Marlon Brando version, which we haven't talked a whole lot about yet, the 1960s version of this, it's three hours long. And the amount of time that they spend on that damn island is like... We talk about Yeah, excruciating. <laughs> and the movie is all about Marlon Brando's character. It's all about Fletcher Christian. And it is just... Marlon Brando loving Marlon Brando and loving that the camera's on him, and, and just then that's a place. yeah, that's right. the movie. So it, I mean, I like Mutiny. I like Mutiny on the Bounty. So I'm, I like all right. versions of it in general. That's my least favorite one for sure. So now it's time. So we're going. It's trial time. And I, I like that they start with Bly and kind of saying like, "What do you think happened?" He's like, "I don't know." Everything was great. <laughs> yeah. Well, and then they bring they start bringing the guys. But in. in his mind, probably nothing was going differently. It's probably like every other voyage he's had. Like this right. is the first time someone did something. And you know what's funny? And I was reading about like the real Captain Bly. He was mutinied again at some point in the future. Oh my god! And they actually said like what happened on the bounty, what he did wasn't that bad. <laughs> like compared oh, to like the second one was worse. Yeah, you know, they were yeah. like, hey, this guy can be had. Well, Let's apparently he's not that much of a dick. He's just a harsh captain, and these guys would much rather be banging in Tahiti than yeah. You know, eating pork rolls in... <laughs> eating well, shark bait. <laughs> you know, and there's a scene, too, where he's in front of the naval court-martial. Yeah. So right. Bly puts his hand out. I like to thank the court. He puts his hand out. And the judge goes, you are a extremely competent... Secret. What you did in that tiny boat is so extremely impressive. Uh, okay, yeah. that's what yeah. it was. Yeah. yeah, so extremely impressive. But that's the only love he's given him. Yeah. 
and then walks away. Yeah. Yeah. Doesn't shake his hand, doesn't finish the sentence, right. that's it. And it stays, like, it stays kind of Which with the means, thing, like... You're a bad fucking captain. You're right. not yeah. good. You're a good, you're a good seaman. You're a scumbag. You're a bad captain. You're a bad right? captain. And, yeah. you know, I think, and, and Fletch, Christian says it a couple times, and he says, like, he's not punishing men to teach them or to discipline them. He's, he's punishing men to watch them crawl. I think they do a really good job with the trial. Generally, I just want to say, I think movies have fascinations with trials, and it, it really is. Well, we covered uh, A Man for All Seasons, Man which had a really good seasons. trial scene at the end. You know, and, and if we can go outside of Oscars, I mean, there's so many, so many movies of trials. Yeah, court scene. We have, I mean, just 12 Angry Men coming. <laughs> 12 Angry Men, Few Good Men. Right. Few Good Men is uh, one of my favorite. My Cousin fives, Vinny. Right. One of my favorite, it's not really a trial, more of an administrative trial, is uh, Scent of a Woman. The end. Oh, yeah. Al Pacino in the end. None of these Examples we brought up are outside of the Oscars, though. They were all either nominated or won. Uh, Second right. woman was nominated? He won, oh, yeah. he won at Pacino won Best Actor. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 I mean, he has one of my favorite lines in there. He goes, he goes, if I was a little bit younger, I'd take a flamethrower to this place. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm too old. I'm too fucking blind. But to go back to the trial scene. So, Byman, this is, this is where I love Byman. Um, and I kind of couldn't figure him out throughout the whole movie. Yeah, he makes his bones here. Who yeah. is this character? Yeah. His speeches. What is his deal? I think he's just a friend, just a nice guy. Um, his speech here is unbelievable. His character here is unbelievable. And it actually was one of my favorite quotes in the movie. Okay, you got your quote coming. So he says, I don't try to justify his crime, his mutiny, but I condemn the tyranny that drove him to it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's the best line in the whole thing, and too. And that really is Byman. And it, and it really is, I think, all of us, if we, most of us, if right. we were in that situation, is I don't justify the crime, but the tyranny that drove him to it. Yeah. He talks about let's the stolen it. food. He talks about the punishment. Like, he it's, talks about kind of the... Let's not brush past what brought these people to do this. Right. The, the, yeah, the, right. Yes, the, the riot was not cool. I don't but condone like, what it. what led to the riot? I don't right. condone it, but right. you guys really put him there. Right. Yeah. These guys, really you would put them one in... pork roll for six guys is yeah. torture. Yeah. Right, right. You you didn't feed them. Right. What did you think they were exactly? Christian on the island and the, the, burn the boat, the, 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 burning the boat, and obviously there's mega symbolism there, the burning of the bounty. I I pulled one other little little line there just because I thought it was a cool little moment where he just says, "She makes a grand light, sir," when the the bounty's yeah, burning, I love that. and that's the end of that's the end of. Christian Fletcher's time on the mainland, and he's rumored to have lived another four years, and then he dies at 28. So I think the time the muting bound is going, he's 24. There's no certain there are plan of what happened with his death. They, there are rumors that he, he was killed. England. His family members say they saw, they talked to him in England after. That's one of the that's one of the folklore rumors. But the real, what really happens? It sounds like the Tahitians killed him. Yeah, well, they got yeah, basically yeah, they got into a fight, right? And, you know, and then there was Ooh. a split. Yeah, yeah they, take his wife back. Yeah, where like the, the men that came over, they the guys who went with him. There's also a rumor yeah. he got drunk and fell off a cliff. Yes, but basically, when the, the English ultimately eventually found I think the 18, island, it was 18 years later they found yeah. the island, and only one Englishman was alive. Yeah. Another kind of cool thing, just to add into the 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 folklore, if you will, there was never a portrait made of him. Yeah, all Which, portraits are made are descriptions of yep. him retroactively. Yep. So all the guys get sentenced to hanging, right? Yeah. So I guess they. Is he the only one that escaped it? Yeah, so here's my thing. And this is my biggest problem with Biden. So he gets out of it because his right, his right. family... He, he becomes an officer. Right. But now the rest of the guys get hung. 
Yeah. And I he's think, on he's on his new ship, happy as shit, when like I think they're a little more clear about that in the sixties version. Okay, but the rest of his dudes that he was just like patting tiny little Elson on the head is like, Oh, you'll see yourself like knowing that he's getting hung and that Biam's getting out of it because his family. They also were guilty though. On appeal he won. You don't get an appeal unless you pay for it. So his oh, family... Oh, I'm sure. Well, yes. his family yeah, they, right. yes. paid for the appeal. Yeah. Well, that's... I'm watching this. I'm like, what happened to this connected family he has? And right, me too. Up I, was at, I was like, why are they not here? Yeah. We're going to use our, uh, our yeah. country club flex exactly. right The now. fact that we're right. seven generations of the Navy, we're right. taking it. None of the lower shipmen got appeals. No. no. I think Ellison was just happy to see his family one last time, it seemed yeah. like. While he, was, while he was hanging from the rafters, waving... I think we're here at the end. Is there anything else we got to throw on top of the 1935 version of Mutant Bounty? We talked way more about the thing we called boring than I expected. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, cause, well, I think as a viewer, the Tahiti scenes are not real pleasurable to the eye. But I think Thematically, it matters. When you're yeah. going back and looking on it, Thematically, there's 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 an important part of the discussion there. We put out, as we always do, or as we try to always do, on Twitter. If you have any questions, we let them know, know that we're recording. And we did get a few questions. We have three questions to go through. Two of them are, my, well, my answer to one is going to kind of be my answer to the second one, too. So we're going to throw out those, those two first. So, okay. Um, Jeffrey Care, at Jeffrey Care, Care with a K, uh, a Twitter follower who asked us a question. Mutiny on the Bounty is currently the last film to have won Best Picture as its only award on Oscar night. Did it deserve to win anything else? I'm going to read off the ones it was nominated for. And... I know you guys haven't seen the other movies. I haven't either myself. But just in looking at it with this movie alone, which of these awards stand out and say, you know, in a vacuum, I haven't seen those movies, but let's say they were all middle of the road. This one should have gotten recognized for this. Here again, here are the awards it was nominated for. It was nominated for eight Oscars. It won only one, and that was Best Picture. The other ones were Best Actor, Clark Gable. Best Actor, Charles Lawton. Best Actor, Froyat Tone. So this is the only movie that's ever been nominated for the Best right. Actor Three times. Catabolize themselves. Yes. Best Director, Frank Lloyd. Frank Lloyd will we'll talk about again in the Cavalcade episode where he does win Best Director. Best Writing Screenplay. Best Film Editing. Best Music Score. So, score, writing. Directing. Directing, editing, film editing, and then all the acting awards. So, I'm going to lead off by saying that this should have won for the acting award. And I think that it didn't win for the acting award as... You said, Joey, like the, like the islands that Bly couldn't land on, they cannibalized each other. Right. And I think that having three from the same movie split the vote, and normally when it's two, it splits, it splits the, vote. the vote. Three must have destroyed Three, it. forget it. And to give you just a little extra idea, and Joey, you brought up two, both, both Lawton and Gable. and Gable already had an award. So right. then that always plays into their, because their now, voting. Because I, I would have, again, if this was today... And Gable comes in with an award, but Lawton doesn't. Lawton probably gets it based off the we owe you. Yes, yeah. You know, and you you take the lead over Gable because, you know, you don't have one yet. Yeah, and I want to throw this out there. There have been, there have been 12 movies, including Mutiny on the Bounty, that have had lead roles nominated in the same category. Oh, so okay. It's the only one, this is the only one of three. The others all have had two. There hasn't been any since Amadeus. It's going my way. From Here to Eternity, Giant, The Defiant Ones, Judgment at Nuremberg, Beckett, Midnight Cowboy, Sleuth, Network, The Dresser, and Amadeus. Okay. Out of those, only four have won. Really? Only four have won. Now, Going My Way technically won two, because if you remember, right. the Fitzgibbons role was 
in two, he was in nominated for actor right. and supporting actor. That's the only time that's ever happened. So, at a four to twelve, as you can see, most times right. they split the vote. The, you know, just, they, some guy votes this, some vote that, and then that's that. It's the cannibalizing. Yeah. It's, it's, so I to, have to think that that played a bit of a role. Yeah. But I mean, I, I think in terms of directing, I'm surprised it didn't win there. Because, again, like I said, going into this movie, I, I expected this to be a lot of buckets of water thrown at these guys off the side of a soundstage, them being actually living on a boat in the open water and being able to film how large it was. Right. It was super impressive to it's me. So I am surprised directing didn't win. Yeah, it's in Howard, Howard Hughes' ambitious living on an island for two years. Yeah, yeah so. and, and some of it was filled in, in a Hollywood tank. Right. But... They said that the conditions in the tank were so brutal because they had these, they had the lights bearing yep. down on them and they kept screwing it up. So they had to do it over and over and over again. That when he yells out that final, when Lawton finally yells out that dry land or we, 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 or we beat the sea, yeah. I think he's supposed to beat, beat the, the sea. sea. Yeah. He, it, they said it felt so real mm -hmm. that the crew, everybody gave him a standing ovation right. as he got that final cut. And he was reduced to tears. Yeah. So it was like the conditions and, were not. Easy. And Maud was also someone who got very seasick all the time. So he was really. Yes, and this goes into Brennan, your favorite category that we have is sick and still killing it. Sick and still. Because Lawton was grossly seasick through a lot of this movie. Yeah, he was managed he really? it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, he's especially not, he's during, not a seafarer. Especially <laughs> during that. Especially during that. The stagehand. The, the sixty-five hundred miles journey. In the soundstage, they said it was just non-stop sickness. Wow. Because he was having such Makes a hard sense. time. He doesn't look healthy through most of the movies. He does not look so. good. <laughs> the, score, I, you know, the score was fine. It didn't, it didn't I, it, stand out to me. When it, actually, when I read that it was nominated for score, I was kind of like, oh, okay. The score kind of was I, in the I, background to me. I, I, when I saw it was nominated for score, I was like, what was the score? Yeah, Brennan, you disagree? No, I, no I, I totally agree. And honestly, I felt like it was the stock score for most of the films of that decade. I mean, yeah. it had that... I have that, no memory of it. Right. Yeah, <laughs> right. It, 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 was, it was not impressive and kind of seemed like every movie I've ever seen. That's that was, fair. That was that's probably why it's so decade. unforgettable to me because yeah. it just kind of gets lumped in with everything. Right. Yeah, yeah I think I, that's I, a good point. I'll tell you what. There are some pretty good one-liners and some good zingers throughout this whole movie. I can see screenplay. You yeah. Know, a, a good yeah. One Honestly, oh, yeah. And I think between Bly, Gable, and uh, Byam, they're so good. I think they probably... Uh, screenplay would make sense. Yeah, you lose the screenplay with with the island a little bit. I mean, all everything on the boat and everything in the trial is great. Great, great screenplay. -wise. I think the I, th I think Tahiti probably losing uh, Lawton really hurts the screenplay part Definitely. because he's just such a powerhouse. Yeah, he lost to John Ford for the Informer, and John Ford I think is he is the leader in yeah in wins yeah, for best okay. director. He also directed Grapes of Wrath right. and The Searchers and. Uh, okay. A, a, yeah. Uh, without seeing Quiet that movie, Man too. without seeing that movie though, his reputation is. Yeah, it's you know, it's okay. the you can you can see where maybe that wasn't there. Film editing, that's not that's not my area of expertise. That's tough. I mean, I like some of those hard cuts in the mutiny scene, but and, some of the fast stuff was silly. So but, yeah, but Brennan, you even kind of brought up that there were some question marks about film editing. You thought it was a little weird at, at moments. Yeah, towards the end, and maybe it has to do with them losing footage. On, yeah, on Rob, yeah, back. Like that too. Yeah, so maybe, maybe, like, maybe they deserve a award for losing footage <laughs> and putting the movie. Right. Yeah, I, I don't right. think. Yeah, I don't think the editing was special. Yeah, I, I, that's not my area. There, I can't. I, I have a hard time putting my opinion there. Let me ask you guys this though: if it did get Best actor. Who would you give it to? Well, I think that goes into our MVPs then, right? Which of the oh, we'll want to save it. We'll save it for MVPs. Yeah, I think yeah, we'll save it for we'll, MVPs. Or, or, we'll 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 revisit this conversation yeah, at MVP discussion. when we get to the MVP because you, your MVP may be different. Well, I don't know. 
But, but my MVP is who I would have as the Okay, winner. so we'll, we'll, we'll shove that and, and go back. So, Another user asked a question that's kind of in, in, the, in the spirit of what we just answered, and that's uh, his Twitter name is Reflections in a Golden Eye, and that's at tfedge, that's T-P-H-E-D-G-E. And he said, did the three-way best actor competition between leads assure McLaughlin's win? And I think that... I think, yeah. Yeah, I think at the end of the day. that We, we said they could, that those three cannibalized, split the vote, and split it three ways. So, I, you know, it's hard to imagine that any of them even had the chance because there were probably people who, who went each of the three ways. You right. know, and, and that's Victor McLaughlin in The Informer, which oh, is the best director. Yeah, okay. so... So that you know, movie probably has some legs as well. Yeah. Yes, thanks for the questions, guys. And we yeah, do really have, appreciate the questions. They really help. They, yeah, it's, they're, they're fun. It's great to interact with that, too. And, and, you know, if we're not getting emails, I love the either the Twitter DMs or just adding us and, and responding. Whatever you want. Too. We'll, we'll respond to anything. It wouldn't be an episode of Beast PC without the Catherine Short I mean, segment. This is a segment. Catherine Short, at Kathy underscore Short, writes, This film attempts to eliminate the moral ambiguity that makes the true story so interesting to so many people. Do you think that this effort is successful as it turns the film into more of a mainstream popcorn movie, or would you have a preferred a more complex film? So basically, it's you know we look at the bounty where Bly, played by Hopkins, Anthony Hopkins, has has two sides to him, and he has a he has an arc where in the 1935 version. Bly's all bad. and There's no development. Yeah. It's just evil. So would you rather Bly have that moral ambiguity, or do you like him as the hard heel and then let everybody react to him? I think for me, it's more about Fletcher. I think how Christian reacts to him is the big thing, because in the 1985 version, Christian is not the hero. Like, there's no world where he is. Like, he bails. Like, he does not go back to the ship. He's... When he goes to dinner, he refuses to wear his coat. He's very clearly, you know, he takes the daughter away from the chief. Like, there's just so many more things where I think, you know, probably in the 1935 version, a big part of it was Clark Gable. He's the good guy. He's the hero. The moral ambiguity of the true story is what Captain Short's asking about. And I think that what she's specifically referring to is Bly. And that Bly is, I don't want to call him a one-note bad guy, but he is definitely an all-in bad guy. And He's committed. There's very little moments where you even show him having fun at all. Like his, there's that one moment in his, he says a funny quote, just because we like to always say here, don't let the truth right. get in the way of a good story. <laughs> oh, he always. says he is is, is having a, a laugh with, with their peg leg surgeon. Right. And he goes, oh, you know, you, you'd be content to the truth. And the peg leg captain goes, I don't despise the facts. I'm indifferent to them. <laughs> you know, and, which it. is similar to what we like to say here. But yeah, so... Well, I want to go back to something I said very early on this podcast. Okay. This is a very American version of British content. One of the things here is that Bly is an embodiment of the Gilded Age tycoons. They were always disparate characters. So they were very successful businessmen that treated their workers horribly, but they were also, also philanthropists at the same time. It was, you couldn't really figure them out. Mm-hmm. And I think Bly is the same way, and I think I think the thirty-five film does that, mm-hmm. in in the sense that you can't really figure him out. He's a great seafarer. He's amazing at what he does. He treats his workers horribly. Yeah. To get the best results. Yeah, and I think that the question is, is that the true life story, and one of the reasons right. why it's been a hundred-year-old fascinating story is, is that there's extreme moral ambiguity oh, yeah. in all the parts involved. It goes. 
well, wait a minute, where did this go wrong and how did it and why did it go wrong? Right. Whereas right. this movie shows this guy treats his workers terrible, well, his workers right. broke out, and this is yeah. what happens. There is more ambiguity. I think it is portrayed in the 1935 film. Yeah. Um, in, in the sense that he is for the cause, the one cause, mm -hmm. which is the British crown going to one place to the next. He gets caught up in the tyranny, which happened to every tycoon that... But you'd say he clearly acts immorally throughout the whole movie. Oh, yes, yeah. immorally. So it's not that ambiguous. He's pretty, he's pretty immoral. The, the film does portray moral ambiguity in the fact that... There, there, is, there is some, but it takes quite a bit away mm -hmm. with how they present Bly as opposed to what he really was. But what's not spelled out is, is the fact that Fletcher didn't really have a genuine rebellious uh, leadership. Well, I think the Fletcher character is a little more morally ambi ambiguous. Right. Now exactly. they definitely give him a little bit of hero wings. Oh yeah, you know, but, and and there's less of that in the in the 1980. But you know, version. in the 35 version, you know, Bly comes back after this unbelievable journey is immediately given another ship to take out. He destroys that ship, right? Again, real life as well. And then he gets more again, ships. Yeah. Like so, <laughs> yeah. you know, because so this is kind of my question. This is then. My question, kind of in terms of this. So, the Navy liked him. He had some, he had men loyal to him. 18 men got on that ship with him, 22 wanted to. So, four guys had to stay on the boat in the real story, right? And then in the real story, him and Fletcher were friends, right? So, like, there was something to this guy. So, I'm going to kind of go back to our rankings episode and then our Cuckoo's Nest episode, Kieran, with um, Nurse Fletcher, Nurse Ratchet, sorry, which you brought up earlier. You know, at what point does this person go from rising through the ranks leader? Because this is a guy in the Navy since he was 12 years old. Now I think he's, I think in real life he's like 38 at this time, right? Uh -huh. um, where does he go from now overboard, now punishment for the sake of watching men fall? Like where does that shift happen where at some point he's rising where he doesn't have this reputation where it turns? And I think that's where so much, I think that's what gets lost in here when he comes out and the first thing he do is whipping a dead guy. Like we don't see that development. Yeah. In this movie. Before we put the question to rest, to get to the root of the, the question is, do you like a more complex character study? Or did you like the, as, as Catherine put it, the popcorn film? And, and I will say this. We did start this discussion by saying that while there's great qualities to the bounty, I think Mutiny on the Bounty 1935 is a little more entertaining. For it's a better movie. Yeah, it's, it's, it's an easier movie to watch, for you know, especially given the times, like, I was into it the me whole too. time, and I thought him being an aggressive bad guy kind of dragged me in, and, and, and I was a little more invested. Whereas the other one was definitely interesting and complex, but I think it outside of moments. The, I think it dragged, and I think outside of Hopkins and Gibson, it suffered, where I think Mutiny on the Bounty, I think, overall brought me in. I, and I get, I get the, calling it a popcorn movie. I guess there's qualities of that. I think it's still a very good movie, and, and may, may, it may not achieve complex status but i think there's enough to discuss about this movie and and there's there are layers to the characters here and there is some right, ambiguity right. and listen it's an entertaining movie that's fun to watch and you i think there are complexities that you can completely ignore if you want as well yes yes and i, I agree think, with that and yeah. i think that's a big piece that at this movie you could literally sit there and watch this and be like oh that was super cool this guy's a bad guy this guy's pretty much the good guy, not the best guy, but he's the good guy in this setting. Or you could really do what we've done and really go at it and look at it in a much yeah, more and, complex and way. And Brendan, I, I agree with you. I will fight I will fight and stand on that hill that this is a layered movie with Very where you layered. can have a complex discussion 
about about morals, about professionalism, mm -hmm. about it's loyalty, ethics, right. ethics well, all that stuff, yeah. But we well, talk about then, but if, if friendship, we, in terms of the reality, yeah, the too. real story, the 1984 is by far the closest to reality. That is a version of what yes, happened. Yes, they, they made the decision this to is, tell This it. is a story of, you know, based on, that is the story. What happened, yeah. yeah. And I'm, I'm the biggest perpetrator of ignoring complexities, and I think we've talked about this in the Jaws episode of, of when I first saw Jaws, I thought it was the dumbest film ever. Just don't go in the water. Right. You thought it was and, nothing and, but a popcorn film. Exactly. Exactly. And then, and then when I watched it again as an older man, an older person, I realized there's an economy there. There's a reason they didn't want to shut down the beaches. It's not just don't go in the water. Yeah. And this movie isn't just bad captain throw him overboard. Exactly. You know. So, uh, Catherine, great question. Great question. Again, always, always keeps this uh, podcast lively. Uh, when I saw when, when I saw Catherine Short's question, I texted Kieran. I was like, "Oh, it's a really good question. That's something we were gonna. I wanted to talk about anyway." Yeah. So it really it was perfect. So thank you again at Kathy Short at Kathy underscore Short on Twitter. Give her a follow. She's got a blog where she's gone over every Best Picture nominee and winner. She's now going through all the best actors and best mm -hmm. actresses and the nominees. Really interesting. So, ton of content. A lot of stuff to whether you agree with it or not. It's it very always thought-provoking and talked a lot about the bounty and we've talked a lot about the 1965 version so we're just going to kind of tie up the ribbons before we do the awards there we've already discussed it a lot so we're going to go crazy but i do want to bring up the cast of the bounty yeah i think i mean unbelievable this cast has aged well i mean we're talking we're talking about anthony hopkins we're Sir talking Lawrence olivier our dude slow is in it <laughs> slo is in there yeah he's not the smoking how many how many members have been knighted that's what i want to know yeah so several which you have mel gibson you have lawrence olivier you have anthony hopkins you have daniel day lewis in his wow, first in his first uh, screen on screen role which, which is that his first yeah he was all theater before this and liam neeson liam neeson was an interesting character in he's that. in the 84 one he's in the 84 yeah he, he's, he's kind of the um he's plays like the thieving the thieving he's guy. He's a tweener, though. He tries to abandon the ship, yeah. and they gets gets captured. And yeah, yeah. but um, <clears throat> super great cast. We mentioned the director who didn't really go on. And how about this? This movie was nominated for the Palme d'Or. Yeah, I saw that. So which it, I was very surprised. Yeah, about. I mean, so it, it wasn't nominated for an Oscar, right? But was nominated for a Palme d'Or. Yeah. Well, not only for any Oscars, other movies that fit into that that weren't nominated for Oscars but were nominated for the Palme d'Or are Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas was one, and uh, the Twin Peaks movie. Twin Peaks there was? Yeah. There was a Twin Peaks movie? Yeah, there was. I haven't seen the show. i got to see the movie now. Yeah, David Lynch is a, is a Palm Dayor darling. But, yeah, I, I think The Bounty is a cool movie to check out. It's on Amazon Prime. It, it's definitely, definitely worth it. We're going to be doing awards. And right before we do that, Joey, we were talking last night, and, and uh, Hulu had, had Step by Step on. What and I saw the intro to that, which I hadn't seen oh, in wow. probably 20 years. And just the song. I still remember the song. It, was, it was got me thinking of TV show theme songs, and since, and I, I think I know what one of my favorite is, and then we got to talk a little bit, since Charles Lawton was certainly <laughs> in charge throughout this movie, yeah. Charles in Charge, best sitcom theme? I think so. I think, and I thought about it, because after you said, we, we were talking about it last night, that I really started thinking, I mean, just what an excellent theme, and the beginning, and for such a ridiculous show. And, Completely ridiculous show. Like, but... I mean, uh, Full House is not a great theme, too. Full House holds up. Now, step by Step is the best intro. Not The, 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 the roller coaster part. is iconic. Yeah. So I just wanted you guys to know that 
like about two years ago, I rewatched all the Step by Step like seasons. Wow! And you recently, Joey, recently watched. It was a long time ago. Okay, but you somewhat recently adult as an adult Charles in Charge twice, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Now, can you explain this to me? Because this has always baffled me. As I was and Brendan, we watched Charles Charles as a kid all the time. It was like perfect after school throw it. Oh yeah. Now. There's two families, so like Charles, like the one family moves out of the house, and Charles just stays in the building, and then the new family moves well, in into know. the same well, house. Think, oh, that's a later season, maybe. As okay. as as it goes on, he has to, um, you know, the kids get older; they don't need a babysitter when they're in college. Right. So a new family comes in, he moves into the basement. Oh, so they yeah, but it's the same house though. Oh yeah, he just yeah, moves downstairs. Him and his buddy, 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 are just hanging up. Like he becomes a Christian thing. superhero. It's like we're right. like, like, oh, I bought a new house. It's great. It's like, yeah, the family used to live there had a babysitter. He's going to stay. Right. It's like, okay. And he's uh, going to watch yeah. your kids. He's going to live like, in the basement. Yeah. Right. He's still in charge. Yeah, he's, he's, still, he's in still in charge. He's in charge. He's, so, yes. he's, charge. he's, he's in charge. charge. He's in charge of our days and of our nights. Yeah. So just Good. be wary. There's, there's no off shit. The, the later family are the better episodes, right? That's the two blondes. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, beginning, but, the beginning one's just kind of like whatever. And then it's the old guy. Yeah, the old and, guy's great. Yeah. Yeah. But it evades me with step by step. Like, who would, like, so the cool guy who Charles was lived in a van in their backyard. Cody. Also Cody. Cody yes. Yeah, also Cody. a little creepy. Yeah, but he was one he of the He was the nephew. Though. He was but, uh, but the dad's was, nephew. But that was actually two families. Like so Well that was like uh, So it was the father who had uh, a Brady Bunch like, yeah, Coincidentally enough, in the episode of Step by Step that was on, it was like a Family Matters Urkel crossover. Like Urkel showed up on the episode. Oh, step, like, by step. Oh, step by step. Oh, no, yes. step by step. I remember that. Yeah, yes. but like, yeah, yeah, yeah. What, uh, I don't. I, mean, I think it's a California show. He gets here from Chicago somehow. No, there's Wisconsin. Yeah. All right, there you and go. And then Balky showed up in later seasons as like a barber that it's lived a, with Illinois them. to Wisconsin. I can live with. But like that, what what a great time for sitcoms where oh, you can do crossover God. episodes. You T- know, that just doesn't. TGIF exist, Friday Night yeah. is yeah. All right, so we're gonna do our 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 awards now. Uh, as we do at the end of every episode. And we're going to start with MVP. An interesting one here. As we just said, there, there are three acting nominees. And I would think that that's going to probably be our nominees here for MVP. Because I don't think anyone else really popped out. We'll do honorable mention either. It might be one of those. Brendan, why don't you go first? Who was your MVP of this movie? Sure, Byron. I mean, it was my favorite quote of the whole movie. He is the central character of the whole thing. You have your evil character questionably good leading them mm-hmm. throughout the whole scene and you have your hero mm-hmm. who's also questionably an anti-hero but the man in the middle Bynum Bynum right. who is the stand-up British naval character I like that choice MVP. it's a cool choice and I, I this viewing I definitely was drawn toward that character a he lot too he's a good character yeah Joe MVP. Uh, so I, I was bet- I, I ended up going with Bly Okay. Because I think while he came in heavy-handed, I think at the mutiny part, his speech and then his just uber focus just really got me, and I just really thought his, I just thought he was really great. Yeah, honestly, I should go Gable just to prove the splitting the vote <laughs> theory. Yeah. But no, I'm, I am also going to. While I I like Brennan's choice, and I had thoughts of going that way, I'm going to go with Captain Bly. Yeah. I'm going to go with Charles Lawton. I think that this is a career performance. Uh, I thought he was. Just fantastic. I thought it's a movie character that still lives today and can still be remembered today. Right. And if he didn't do that well, I don't know that that gets made remade twice. Yeah, and and we we bring up Mutiny on the Bounty to our dad, and he's Captain Bly. Is sure, the first? It's the sure. first thing that he. That's that sure. lasts, and we're we're 
you know, going 85 years. Like, we're, yeah, we're going on shit, yeah. a long amount of time. So to have that character live on... Now, granted, it was a historical character, so it did exist beyond this movie. It wasn't like it was like a Rebecca where it's being introduced in a fictional book in a fictional movie. But I, I'm going to go with, with, with Charles Lawton as Captain Blythe. LVP. Joey, this is one of your favorite categories. So favorite. Let, let's... Uh, I think I know where you're going to go with this. I mean, but. it's Allison. He's just the worst. I needed... Every time he was on the screen, I just got angry. He couldn't control his emotions. I, I, I really wish he ended up on Cannibal Island just so he was done. <laughs> See, that's upsetting for me. I felt bad for him. I think um, he did ignite some emotions in me. He ignited anger um, in me. I would agree with you, Brendan. Poor actor. Poor actor. Yeah, I'm going to agree with that across the, the board. The character was... I, I know what they were going for, and it did sadden me. Yeah, I felt for the impressment. I felt for the, the fact he had it set. And they were going for some heartstrings there with that. I, I, him, and the first time I saw it, I, I was like, ah, oh, man, he got a raw deal. That sucks. Right, real raw deal. The, the tough acting kind of got me this time around with it, and I felt a little worse for him. If he was able to control a, a, a or purvey any actual emotion, I agree. The character should have worked. It just it was just a disaster. Yeah. So my LVP, and we only spoke about him briefly, this entity in this movie annoyed the shit. I mean, it's, it's the mess man. It's the uh, the the guy dumping, second choice. Yeah, Smith. dumping the Smith, dumping the buckets of, oh, wow. of piss off the side of the boat. This character was in here for comedic relief. Totally, it, you know, checking the wind. It was clumsy. It was out of place. It stuck out like a sore thumb to me. To me, it's the one real blemish on the movie. I can live with the not great acting from from Tommy Boy, but the, the that's my guy. I mean, I, I just didn't think he had a place in this movie. They were trying to they were trying to go for laughs in a very 1930s way yeah. and I'm sure it was funny back then. It's not funny to me now. It's 2020 and I'm not laughing. If so it was, here. If he was he was it was between him and Ellison if it wasn't for me hating Ellison so much. I 100% agree yeah, with so you. Yeah, so that's that's my LVP. Brennan, LVP. Yeah, so my LVP is the chief. I think he was very surface level, and you guys have talked about the bounty. How he's yeah, how they they give some some. He's a character. Much yeah. more depth, much more interesting. A little I flat think, in this movie. I think he was very flat. Um, yeah, giant. Kind of gave up torture. his daughters, just like <laughs> the mold didn't help in the moment. Especially yeah. since the chief should have had a more kind of could have had, I guess, is a said a more integral role. So I yeah. participation award, which is kind of our honorable mention, toss him a bone. I'm going with uh, I'm going with our our peg legged surgeon. Damn it, that was mine. Oh, yeah, now that one. now that's he had one. he had it's not mine. It's a good one. He, he had actual comic relief. Right. He actually was he, he that was, was a well written character that yeah. made me smile and made me laugh. Not using you know Laurel and Hardy and and Three Stooges jokes. No, he was funny. The, the actor was charming. Like I was yeah. into it. Like yeah, no, I'm I'm fully on board with you. I thought yeah, smart and well written mm -hmm. written character and and really just and it and it held up and it. And him dying, I was like, oh, no, he died. Like, it got me. Okay, participation award, Brennan. Uh, Tillerson. You mean Ellison. 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 Whatever, whatever his name. <laughs> yeah. If you haven't heard from this, I'm horrible with names. Yeah. Ellison. Blight. 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 Christensen. Yeah. A man for four seasons. A man for 7,000 seasons. A man. A man for a thousand corpses and seasons. We got the gist. Joey, uh... Participation Award. Bacchus, Dr. Bacchus. Yeah, okay, yeah, right. Yeah, yes, I, we both went the same yeah. way. That's, that's I, think cool. that's, I, I snuck in there first. Yeah, I think he's the perfect choice. For, like, I when I think, like, part for the Participation Award, I think it's made for somebody like him. Small role just absolutely crushes it. Scene of the movie, Joe. For me, it's, um, Christian says, I'm taking the ship, I'm not letting him choose between life or death, to the time that Bly is on the 
you know, the raft leaving and he does my, you know, my favorite quote about you can put me out here, but I'm going to live to see you hanging. Yeah. That, that whole thing. So the mutiny part is my favorite scene. I stole my thunder. Uh, I thought the scene in the movie was him getting, uh, Captain Bly getting detained, Mm -hmm. seeing him, the power be stripped from him. And then from there to them putting him on that boat. Yeah. That's, that to me is the scene in the movie. I, I, I wanted to consider the the press gang in the very beginning coming into the pub because that just sticks with me. I, mm. I think that's a very cool scene too. And it really lays a lot of groundwork. Mm. Yeah, but uh, I, I I at the end of the day I'm gonna go with that too. Brennan. Byman Byman in the trial. The trial. Yeah. That's the it. trial scene. Another thing too about the bounty I didn't say is it, the screenplay writer for the bounty was Robert Bolt, who was the screenplay writer in A Man for All Seasons. Really? Also Lawrence of Arabia. So yeah, wow. so he yeah, he was another connection. What there. a career though. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Next is the recast. And we're doing the recast slightly differently this time around. Normally, time machine recast, we pick someone from any era, we put them into a role in this movie. Right. We recast one role. Because this movie's been redone so many times and it's kind of redone every 30 years and it's about time for a new one, we're going to recast Captain Bly and Fletcher Christian with modern-day actors that we think could do a 2020 or 2021 version of Mutant and the Bounty that would make some make some noise. So, for, I'll start with Bly. Um, for Bly, I went Willem Dafoe. Wow, Willem Dafoe. How did I not get there in my thought process? That's interesting. And for Christian, I did your favorite, Robert Pattinson. Oh, God. I'm just fucking with it. Lighthouse. He went, Lighthouse on me! I had to bring Lighthouse up. But God, this happens to me twice in one I know, podcast. I know, oh he stole my... my God. The run-in really stole my thunder, the Lighthouse thunder. Oh, uh, I actually made it better, but... <laughs> so, no, but I did do Willem Dafoe for Bly. For uh, Christian, I went Chris Helmsworth. I thought he would be good, and I think they would have a, uh, a good back-and-forth power struggle. Thor. Right, Thor. Right. Yeah. I think he's a, okay. good, he's a good actor. He's a strong actor. He's... Super likable. He's funny, but he could also go different ways. So Defoe and, and Thor. Defoe would be fantastic as Bly. I love that. I'm, I'm a little disappointed in myself for not thinking of Defoe. I'm not an MCU guy, so Helmsworth's work is a little bit distant. He has me. other stuff, though. He's good. He's legit. He could really hold so, up. Brennan? Russell Crowe is my... Um, I thought I about thought that, of it. but Master and Commander... Yeah, sure. And yeah, great. but a fat and Russell Crowe... I mean, he's great. gotten older and fatter. Fat Russell Crowe, yeah. I definitely that thought of it. That was in the running, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. I'm happy I didn't go with it because uh, yeah. I, I didn't want us to all have the same one. Right. So, that's good. That's good. Yeah. 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 And and uh, Fletcher Christian? Is Chris Pine. Chris Pine. Very good choice. Uh, Very good choice. And you know what? Total I, Clark Gable person. Chris Pine came into mind when you when you said Chris Helmsworth. Right. I was like, oh, because I just watched Unstoppable and loved it, by the way. I highly recommend that movie to, mm-hmm. to end with, with Denzel. Oh, 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 yeah. It's a great movie. Oh, yeah, awesome. Yeah, Tony Scott's final movie. Great uh, matchup of actors. Oh, and you're a Star Trek veteran, too. So you got two, two Star oh, yeah. Trek shout outs oh, yeah. in one episode. Great. Those are good ones. I am going to channel my inner RDB and say I do have two... <laughs> Fletcher Christians. Okay, but I, I am settling on one though. I'm not doing the I'm not copping out and picking two All because right. I have one that I think would be the better movie and one I think would work more in a blockbuster situation. That makes sense. So we'll start with Bly. I thought hard about this one. I wish, wish, wish Philip Seymour Hoffman were still alive because he would have Good been, one. been he would have been genius to Good it. One. But can't pick him because he's right. he, he's not he's not around. Yeah. I went with Paul Giamatti. Good, also a good one. I thought I Paul Giamatti that. could really channel that inner, oh, that yeah. inner hatred, 
and but he would still have more of a development. Yeah, to but it, still yeah. have a development He's to good. it. Perfect. And yeah, he he would could really do the calm and the intensity, as Christie says, the coiled spring. Right. You know, yeah. really get yeah. get out there and explode when he has to. Oh, so that was oh, my for Fletcher Christian. This is kind of an odd choice, but I went with Cillian Murphy. Ooh, Ooh. good. Cillian yeah. Murphy, clean shaven. A little too Irish. He's gonna, yeah, he's going to have to go English. But, but I think that was part of the reason why I went with it, because I think that he could do the English accent. Yeah. And he's yeah. got that, he has that compassionate facial reaction. You see a lot in 28 Days Later, and he, he can, he could, I think he he's could got, really he's fit really into that role. He's a really good actor. I think he but also well, bring, out the, yeah, bring out the venom and the right. vinegar that it takes to, to cause the mounting. Oh, and really own right, that it. scene that both Clark Gable and Mel Gibson own, right. where they have to calm everyone down when it's time to get... He could do that. I game. almost want to take him as my buyman. He might make a better buy him, actually. Now that you say that, yeah. he might make a better buy him, where that kind of conflicted yeah. spot. Now, my, my runner-up for Fletcher Christian would be Bradley Cooper. Oh, I mean, I, I Blockbuster, that, yeah. you know, he, he fits into he the Clark bring, Gable, Mel Gibson. Yeah. Just Can he the, do an English accent? Yeah, I mean Clark Gable yeah. and Mel Gibson did it. <laughs> that's right. That's right. So Why are we right making there. Bradley Cooper do it? <laughs> yeah, very good, very good, very good. Could Rob Zombie remake Mutiny on the Bounty? Now, this question, this category is becoming an annoyance to me uh, <laughs> be, because it's really should almost. It wasn't what I envisioned it to be when we started it, like because it's now turned into like Artie writing scripts. <laughs> that are half I have to edit out because he's saying stuff that is just so unsavory and bizarre. But that being said, I absolutely 100% think that he could. Rob Zombie could remake Beauty and the Bounty. And it would be pretty damn good as long as he kept it within I mean, the... See, I said no because my concern was that if he just turns into a shitty Pirates of the Caribbean and loses all the... Ooh. Kind of the emotion complexity that needs to be there. Interesting. Like, serious? I feel like he'd just do it for that same reason. Like I'm gonna make a gory parts of the Caribbean and everyone can go fuck themselves. Yeah, there there like, would be aggressive scurvy scenes for yeah, sure. Right. And obviously, and there's I mean, the, dude, the movie already has cannibals in it. So right. like, what, and what did they? What did they? What did we're they definitely say? taking a long stay on Cannibal Island. They're oh, stopping right. on the island. Yeah, yeah, they're yeah. living in Cannibal Island. Yeah, it's most of most and, of. The I scenes. mean, what did they say in the Simpsons episode? They signed up. Less scurvy, more curvy. Yeah. <laughs> Less curvy, more curvy, right. I mean, I think we all can agree that Robert Shaw could easily play the peg leg situation. Ooh, with the, I, mean, I actually yeah. thought about Robert Shaw as, when they get to Tahiti, someone who deserted from <laughs> That's great. He's just been hanging out. Like, yeah. Ah, like for 10 years, me. like when they got, when Cook Ship was there, he bailed on he's him. Been and he, there the whole and time. he's just been there for 10 years, just loving, <laughs> he's doing what Fletcher wants. And that's why Fletcher's able to go back. He's just like, that motherfucker's been living the life for 10 years. Why are we doing this? So in the 1 to 92 conversation, it always gets tricky. It's getting a little easier now that we have a 15 we have a base. set up. Yeah, we have a base set up and ready to go here. Before we do that, let's do the 1 to 5s. And this might, I might have some hot takes here. The performances here, 1 to 5. 1 being no business being Academy Award winning. 500% Best Picture winner belongs in the upper ranks. 1 to 5 performances. Joe. I mean, 3 Best Actor nominations and created Best Supporting Actor, so I'm going to go five. Joey, I'm also going to go five. I, I think, like you said, you put it out you put it out real well. Yeah. It's three Oscar nominees, created Supporting Actor, two legendary performances from Gable and, and right. Lawton. Both I think. already have their best you know, actor. I think it's just, you know, it's like Yeah, it's, it's a five out of five. How the movie was shot. Cinematography, how the movie shot. One to five. One being the lowest, five being the highest. I'm going to go four. The mutiny scene. Yeah. I think if you put in the whole making a making a boat and a tank look like real, and, yeah, it's well uh, done. Yeah, I'm gonna go five. Okay, I, I think with what they had to work with, it was 
inexpensive, which it cost two million at the time. They put every penny of that two million to work. I thought they came up with an impressive film, an impressive looking film for 1935. I thought a little bit about the four on this, but I, I'm going five. The reason I, mean, I went four was for the Tahiti stuff. I didn't think there was anything special yeah. about it. While the boat stuff, I think, was all time. I think the Tahiti stuff looked pretty good, though, for a black and white movie. I mean, I, well, have you guys seen the original King Kong? Yes. All right, so look at the yeah. island scenes in that. That's 33. So, oh, yeah. you know, I think that two years later, I think they... They did a great job. I mean, I, listen, Force... Granted, they didn't have dinosaurs and monkeys running around, but, <laughs> you know. Yeah, no, that's true. And then finally, the story, themes, how the story's told, how the themes land. This is I'm going to afford, because I think it just does lose some of the original... Um, didn't, didn't... The true story, it didn't nail, and I think Bly coming in hot off the bat takes away from kind of the development of things. They didn't do enough to explain how Tahiti real to show, not to explain, but I don't want to exposition, but to show Flood Christian's obsession and kind of seduction by the island. Yeah. Okay, so they left a little bit out. Yeah. I a think little bit to be desired with, with the true story. Yeah. And so you're kinda of answering Catherine's question a little bit in that way too, is where you, you probably would have liked more A little bit more and I would have pushed it to a five because I, I, I you know this I think it's clean, but yeah. And here's my hot take here. It's going to be fives across the board for me. Five, wow. five, five, which we haven't had, I haven't had since Silence of the Lambs. Yeah. I think the story, it creates a tremendous amount of intrigue. It's a talking piece. We can sit here and really pick apart and, and look at the layers of it, even though maybe there's a better story that could possibly be told within this. Sure. And... I feel a little bad for the real-life Captain Bly that he got a bad <laughs> reputation. I, I think that this is a... And I think that, Mike, you know, while I was a little hesitant coming in, the conversation that we've had today and the, the layers to the conversation, yeah. that this is, a, this is a fascinating story that has lasted for years upon years upon years. And while there's a lot of folklore to it and there's a lot of what's true, what's not, they made a movie in 1935 that we can sit here in 2020 and have a lot of fun picking apart. And I think it has everything that Argo was missing last week in it telling a nice action story that's fun to watch. But what is there really to talk about other than what happened? Right. And I thought that this was the other. So I went 555. Five, five. I haven't had that in a while. Yeah, so I like it. That plays into the rankings here. So now I have to look at this in a possible top 10. And I think this will. Probably bounce a man for all seasons out of my top ten. Where it'll land in the one to ninety-two, we'll where, see. What in the one to ninety-two, where do you think Mutant the Bounty could end up? I've, I've had trouble with this one because uh, I don't know how many times I could say something. Probably in the thirties. Thirties. Wow. So you're going first half. So you, you would do you really enjoy this one? Late end thirties, early forties. I would think that's probably being very generous because I'm living in it. I think as I get further removed, will probably be the beginning of the back half. You know, yeah. because it, once I'm, you know. I've literally, since Friday, this has been my entire Yeah, focus. multiple versions and the history and the... Right, right. It's like been, I've been it's studying been the real the version to talk about it for seven <laughs> minutes in a three-hour thing. A week so, of mutiny on the bounty. Yeah, and I've loved it, but... Oh, I love... That's what I love about this, is just living in the movie for yeah, a week and, and just getting super consumed great. by it all. It's, my wife, great. I think I've said mutiny 500 times in the house, she's going to kill me. <laughs> Even the Simpsons did it. The Simpsons always did it. But so that's where I'm probably realistically end up like late 40s, early 50s. Once I'm not living it as much, I'll yeah. probably drop it back down there. Yeah. Brennan? So the funny thing is I feel like I've been defending this movie for so long throughout this whole thing. I'm putting this up lower than half. No, so you're going to think it's going to be the back half? I think it's going to be about 70. Okay, wow. Yeah. Way back there. 
Uh, I like it. I enjoy it. I think it's great. All the movies, it's in the seven. You think there's going to be more out there that are going to draw you in yeah, further? totally. Out of the ones that you've covered so far, where does it land? So, which would be Shakespeare in Love, Man and for Rocky. All Seasons, and Rocky. Put a, put those four in order. It's last. It's last? Behind yeah. Man for All Seasons? Yeah. Wow. Oh, yeah. Oh. Yeah. Oh, wow. I have it creeping into my top ten, what we've covered. Right. I'm with you, Joey. I think 30 sounds about right right now. Again, that may change. Right. But I you think, think that's... this one makes 30? I think the late 30s, yeah. Yeah. I really like this movie. The performances I, I, are so strong, and I think it really... And it's a great story. Yeah, I think it's one of my favorite... It's one of my favorite pre-1950s Oscar winners, and that's over two decades. I think it's going gonna, it's gonna to edge out a lot of ties. And, right. You know, if I look at this in Rebecca, ooh, that's tricky. I mean, well, that's where I'm kind of that's battling. That's tricky. Yeah, they're they're kind of in that story. Sound of music, a little tough. Like, I mean, sound of music, it might might just be the bigger production might get it. It's tricky. It's tricky. Uh, I think 30s is an interesting spot for it. I think that there's probably some people who've seen these movies who are like spitting out their coffee listening to that. The but, reason sound of music is going to win out is much more cohesive. I mean, it just flows. I think that that's not unfair. Take our musicals is, just but yeah. flows so much better. Yeah. That's not unfair. That's not unfair. Yeah. I don't hate that they sped through some of that third act. Like, no, I don't need this movie to be three hours. No, and, but they and, really and the evidence did. is the 1960 version. But they really did throw together the third they, act. They, they, like. they, they sped through the third act. You know what? There's a lot of also unknown with the third act because that's the part that. They got the people who footage. told the story yeah. weren't a lot, you know. Well, if like you're changing the facts, you can't complain that there aren't facts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is a bit of a black mark on it. I will, I will admit that. The last thing we do before we're done here is we are going to do the best, the other movies nominated for best picture. Okay, so the first nominee that we're going to discuss is a Shakespeare classic story, and that is A Midsummer Night's Dream, the 1935 version. The synopsis: Theseus. Duke of Athens is going to marry Hippolyta, queen of the Amazons. Demetrius is engaged with Hermia, but Hermia loves Lysander. Helena loves Demetrius, Ogrion, and Titania. Essentially what happens is, is the lead female fairy puts a, a spell on one of the humans on Oberon's direction, and so... The woman who loved the male turns out to love the other man. Classic Shakespearean yeah. conflict. Right. And you, have you seen any renditions of the movies? No. I've no, just, just, read, just, read, just yeah. read it. I, and I've, honestly, I started to read it. Right. I read A Midsummer's Night Dream in, in high school. Right. It's great. I, 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 I've been trying to read it very specifically, like trying to pick out every line. It's amazing. I, I haven't... Yeah. But never seen the movie, so I'd like to check it out. I'd love to write about it soon. Uh, so, it's a James Cagney movie, is in that. There, I forgot to bring up myself. James Cagney was out on his boat. I forgot this. Too. Yeah. yeah. So, James really Cagney funny. is in. We, we talked about him a little bit in the Departed episode. He's in White Heat, a famous old gangster movie guy, and he's right. one of the inspirations. He won an Oscar for Yankee Doodle Dandy. But a one of the inspirations for the Departed was White Heat. Right. But James Cagney was hanging out on his boat, and they were filming Mutiny in the Bounty, and he like. Just cruised over and was like, what are you guys doing here? Filming a movie? He's like, oh, let me be in it. So he's an extra. It's James Cagney can be seen in the movie as just like an extra on the show. It's awesome. Yeah, so, Joey, the next one. Next one is Alice Adams. A poor socialite struggles in her newfound courtship due to the limitations imposed by her working class family and unstable father. Uh, so, I mean, Catherine Hepburn starring in it. Oh, nice. um, George Stevens directed. It was nominated for movie and for best actress with Catherine Hepburn. 
I've never heard of Alice Adams. I, I've just this is the first time I'm hearing of it, so I don't know that one. So here we go. We're talking reboots. Broadway Melody of 1936. I mean, I saw the Broadway Melody of 1928. <laughs> it's my lowest ranked Best Picture winner at this point. I can't imagine 1936 is going to be much better. Quick synopsis: Bob Gordon is staging a new Broadway show. Gets an offer of money by Lillian if she can dance on a show. Gordon's old classmate Irene tries to be the leading role. So these these broad, these Broadway melody movies the same deal. Some guys put the show together, they're trying to get people together. Right. There's drama behind. But Joey, what's next? Captain Blood. Great name. After being wrongly convicted as a traitor, Peter Blood, an English physician, is sent to exile in the British colonies of the Caribbean, where he becomes a pirate. Starring Errol Flynn as Peter Blood, um, Michael Cortez directed. It was nominated for five Oscars, so Best Picture, Best Director, Best Writing, Screenplay, Best Sound Recording, and Best Music Score. Sounds very watchable. I would check that out for sure yeah. if I came across and, and that. And D2, The Mighty Ducks, they called... Gordon Bombay, Captain Blood. Is that when what he, they're referencing? When he gets the haircut and he slicks his hair back? Is yeah. that what they're Are they referencing that movie? Probably it's not. Probably not. It's, it's, when, it's when, he be, when you know, he gets all high and mighty and he starts wearing suits right. during yeah. the, um, the Goodwill yeah. Games. Uh, next is David Copperfield. Yeah, it's Charles Dickens' Dickens' story. A gentle orphan discovers life and love in an indifferent adult world. So we get a lot of adaptations this year for sure. Yeah. Joey, what's next? Les Miserables. In Ooh. early 19th century France, an ex-convict who failed to report to paroles relentlessly pursued over a 20-year period by an obsessive policeman. Um, so right. starring Frederick March as Jean Valjean. Um, our boy Charles Lawton is in it as the inspector Emile Javert. Oh, good. So good year for Charles. Great year for him. Um, so nominated for four Oscars, uh, and it won one. It won um, top foreign films. Uh, yeah, that was one of our mom's favorites. The my favorites. Yeah, been, been redone a bunch of times. and been nominated, I think, for a few times. Yeah. I don't know if it was a Claire Danes one nominated. I don't think Claire Danes one was nominated for Best Picture, but the recent one with Hugh Jackman was. Next is Naughty Marietta. Okay, In order to avoid a prearranged marriage, a rebellious French princess sheds her identity and escapes to colonial New Orleans, where she finds an unlikely love. Director Robert Z. Leonard. So, yeah, that's, don't have much to say about that. Uh, won one Oscar, and that was for Best Sound. All right, so next we have Ruggles of Red Gap. Um, an English valet brought to the American West assimilates into the American way of life. Mm -hmm. um, once again, starring Charles Lawton as Ruggles. What a monster year for our dude. Direct Lawton's in three of the nominees. Yeah. Wow. Director Leo McCary, and it was nominated for Best Picture, no other nominations. Next is The Lives of a Bengal Lancer. This is not a uh, Tiger King story here. <laughs> three British soldiers on a northwest frontier of India struggle against the enemy and themselves. Henry Hathaway won one Oscar. And that Oscar was for Best Assistant Director, the elusive Assistant Director nominee. It is such a shame that that went away. Next, yeah. we're up to Top Hat. An American dancer comes to Britain and falls for a model whom he initially annoyed, but she mistakes him for his goofy producer. This is starring Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers, so big names, directed mm -hmm. by Mark Standage. Um, it was nominated for Best Picture, Best oh, Art wow. Direction, Best Dance Direction, and best music original song for the song Cheek to Cheek. Wow. Big time. Musical. Uh, uh, I had heard of Top Hat before. I have. Yeah, I've heard... I haven't seen it, but I've heard of it. It's the Fred Astaire Ginger Rogers. Yeah, I've heard it discussed as one that could have or should have possibly won. Yeah. Fred Astaire, who had our number one song of the year, as we learned in the intro. And finally, what I think was probably the runner up that year, because it won Best Director, among other things, The Informer. In 1922, an Irish rebel informs on his friend. 
then feels doom closing in. Ominous description there. John Ford is the director. As we said before, he's had a ton of success in his career. He's won four Oscars. The Quiet Man, How Green Was My Valley, which is the only one that's on this list. Grapes of Wrath and The Informer. There's four Best Director nominees. So that's it. Those are the nominees. And 1935 is in the books, boys. We did it. Well done. Any closing thoughts? Good old Captain Bly. Yeah, that's it. I had fun with this one, guys. Like I said, this is a movie that I, I really, really love and uh, was entertained every step of the way. I'm glad you guys got a kick out of it. We had a good conversation. And that was fun. Great times, as always. We'll get you guys both back in the near future. We don't know when. Brendan, nice choices for the horror movies. We'll see if they click through. Hey, I think you'll have a better go around this we'll time. Yeah. That's it. Gentlemen, that's all. For BPC, we'll see y'all next time. <laughs>